China socializes debt. .gov security isn't as bad as you think. Google gets a GDPR slap on the wrist. And we're talking DerbyCon with Evil Mog and Quadling on tonight's Iron Sysadmin Podcast, episode 54. Sysadmin Podcast, your source for IT news, commentary, and a healthy dose of paranoia. Good evening, everybody. We're finally live, only about half an hour later than we planned to be. I'm your host, Nate. I got my two of my usual co-hosts with me, both uh, Dustin, who's muted at the moment because he's apparently dealing with an infant, and Jason. And we've got two guest co-hosts tonight because of the main topic we've got. So I'm going to give you guys each a quick intro. If you want to tell us a little bit about each of you, who you are, where people can find you, then that'll be cool. So first of all, uh, you'll know him as Evil Mog, a DerbyCon uh, frequent flyer. Uh, go ahead, Mog, you want to give us a quick intro? Sure. I'm Evil Mog from Team Hashcat, otherwise known as that guy who likes to drop you know, stuffed animals and parachutes off of the 18th floor of the Hyatt for you know, giggles and grins. I occasionally like to crack hashes, and then once in a while I'm on Twitter is Evil underscore Mog. All right. And also we've got Quadling, also known as Josh. Want to unmute yourself and give us a little intro? Hey, the <laughs> sure. voice of DerbyCon. The voice of DerbyCon. Indeed. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you. Yes, I'm uh, Quadling from Clan Bullhorn. Uh, uh, I am uh, uh, Josh Marpet. Uh, I am uh, work at Red Lion. I've been at DerbyCon. I've worked at Derby at every single DerbyCon there has ever been, and apparently that will ever be. Uh, and uh, goodness gracious, I, I have, let's see, I work at Red Lion. I've been doing this for way too damn long. Um, and I'm loud and you can hear me at a lot of conferences. Oh, and if you see me, you'll probably recognize me from the hat. Oh, right. The hat that has a Twitter account. <laughs> you also do well, a very wicked auction. Indeed. The yeah. hat does run a very wicked auction. <laughs> so. If, uh, if any of you have ever been to DerbyCon, Josh's voice is the one you heard echoing throughout the Hyatt, telling people to walk up the stairs to get to registration or whatever else <laughs> it is that the conference had to announce oh, to no. people. My favorite <laughs> moment, and this is how I met RenderMan, who I later managed for years. All I remember is RenderMan had missed his talk, and I'm hearing Josh yell out over the Hyatt. It echoes, RenderMan, has anyone seen RenderMan? <laughs> you know, for like half an hour, it was funny. <laughs> Well, he missed his talk, and I was upset. Render's a friend. He's a good guy. Oh, yeah. And the Hyatt right. is a hollow core hotel. So there's 16 floors of nothing in the middle. Yeah. Lots so of if echo. If you're loud. Lots of echo. It echoes. for a You can hear while. that inside every single room of the Hyatt when you yell. Is, and it's impressive. Yes. Quadling's voice. Yeah, you, you really can. Quadling's when you yell loud enough, first. like with the right level of echo, it's perfect. Yep, the first oh the first voice I ever heard at my first security conference. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no lie, man. <laughs> you were the voice of InfoSec. Yeah, no, the voice no, of InfoSec. No. That, was so, the, that, that, that first year was the first time I was there, and, and when I met both you and Kickbroggy. So I oh, think wow. uh, tonight's episode is going to be a futile effort in cat herding just because of the number of hosts we have and the folks we have on. But we're still going to try to cover the news and follow the usual format. 
So, uh, intros aside, I guess we're going to get on to the news, and then we'll have plenty of time to reminisce about DerbyCon in the main topic. So, um, I guess the first article we've got for the evening is uh, from Slashdot. Uh, apparently, a uh, northern Chinese... Sorry. Hebei? Is that how you pronounce this thing? Someone help me out here. I'm not very cultural. Good luck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess none of us are. Um so there's a Chinese province un- unveiling a an app that triggers notification when you're near someone who owes debt. It's basically like so, a social credit system. So, um, Jason, I think you had included this uh, this article, and we were starting to chat about this before uh, the show started. That's why I decided to finally get the show rolling. So, uh, chat away. Continue the. <laughs> the yeah, so I'll start with my little piece that I was covering first because I know uh, Josh had to get rebuttals. So, there was a problem apparently in China in that there was no kind of serious, um, I want to say, like bankruptcy process or anything else. People could rack up massive amounts of debt. And you know, there'd be no kind of incentive to repay it back. So that was part of the reason why this came in. But then Josh had a really great point about this being tied into the whole magical Chinese social credit system they're putting in. So they've got the Sesame credit system. But before I talk about that, I, I want to point out that I, I, I like what you're saying. But China has a history of very perverse incentivizations. For example, if you're driving a car in China and you hit a pedestrian, the common advice is back up and hit them a few more times. Seriously, not a joke. You know, I can see that, though, because it's less paperwork if you kill someone than if you injure someone over there. Wow. Well, if you kill someone, it's a one-time payment to their family. Yeah, if mercy you injure someone, them for life. it's a lifetime set of payments to them and their family. Yeah, but that's that's similar to the advice of, of if somebody breaks into your house and you shoot them, shoot them again and make sure they're dead. Yeah, see, that probably if you do that in Canada, that makes the difference between 10 years in prison and 40 years in prison. Actually, in, in, in America, it does the same thing. If, if you shoot someone because they're breaking into your house, that is self-defense. That's one thing. And I, I, even in Canada, I don't think they have a problem with that. Actually, but they if, do. I can't shoot somebody if they break into my house. Can you throw some, a piece of metal at them very, very fast? If I injure them, it's deemed as assault. Seriously? <laughs> yes. It's like they touched two uh, positively charged metal objects. The way it works is I have to use reasonable force given the levels of what they're doing to the so that if they're breaking up my house, I can't do it. They have to be demonstrated, proven like they're gonna do life and you know, danger to life and Oh, limb. so it's it's but the the, I, the fact that they're threatening you, that's that's the that's yeah, the catalyst. and the worst part is I won't get a murder charge. I'll get an unsafe firearm storage charge if I use a firearm on them. Interesting. Un- wait, unsafe firearms storage? Yes. Is that what you're saying? If, 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 if I had a firearm with- fast enough, oh my god. Seriously? Yes. <laughs> if I have access to a firearm that's fast enough, uh, especially if the firearms are restricted. If I use the shotgun, it's not a big deal because then that can prove, hey, it was locked up in accordance with a quick release. If I use a restricted firearm, like an AR-15 or a pistol, or anything that's deemed restricted, that I can shoot them fast enough without breaking into my house... I'll get an unsafe firearm storage charge. You're kidding me. That's no, awesome. not even remotely. That's an interesting law. Everyone okay. thinks Canada is so much better. And crossbows, crossbows <laughs> yeah. galore. All right. There you go. Crossbows. Yeah. It's, it's the walking. Sorry dead. to derail this whole discussion, but it's just yeah. Uh, so no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Canada's sale of halberds went up a hundred thousand percent after Evil Mod revealed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait, uh, so uh, I'm moving there. Apparently, this is a system <laughs> in which uh, if you're if you're near someone who owes a debt, you'll actually have an app, I guess, on your phone or whatever that sort of points them out to you and says like, "Hey, this person owes money, and you should notify the authorities if it looks like they're living in such a way where they should be paying their debt back." Is yeah, is that the way I understand uh, this? That's way it works. And from my understanding, I've talked to some Chinese folks, and the way it works is there's this very there's this culture of associations. So if you're associated with people that are deemed bad or socially unacceptable or in debt, by merely being associated with them or being around them, you yourself can be deemed as tainted in the eyes of the government. So that's why people shun those that aren't, you know, oh. that's how they keep their control over their people. I'm sorry, I have to stop I, you. I love the fact that you went in debt. It's like, okay, bad people I get, but no, when you're in debt, you're in debt, okay? Yeah, that is kind of a yes or no question. That's but not like saying, a gray not, area. Like, <laughs> but it's not, I'm just talking like in general. The rest of them. Money. However, you know? being being in debt doesn't make you a bad person. <laughs> Necessarily. A bad person. Right. So, so, so China is basically going full Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, the Sesame Credit scheme that we talked about a few minutes ago is exactly that. It's where if you say uh, anti-government uh, whatever on uh, social media, um, was that apple juice or your own urine, uh, a.k.a. you know, Bear Grylls? Or... No, that's Combat Wombat, baby. Rock and roll. Wow. Okay. So, um, so uh, if you say something anti-government, your Sesame Credit score goes down which effectively disallows you from getting a loan, from leaving the country, from internal d- domestic travel, that kind of thing. It, it can impair your ability to do all those things. If somebody you're connected to, uh, what like Evil Mog was saying, if somebody you're connected to says those things, again, your Sesame Credit score goes down. Same results. So you have to only associate with the best of people, which is literally a Black Mirror episode. So yes, well done, sir. <laughs> nice. Very nice tie-in to some, some uh, popular television. <laughs> What the hell? The comments on YouTube are about crackers. God bless it. <laughs> of course they are. I'm going to bring you <laughs> a giant box of crackers, crackers again. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'll be right back. No. Get some crackers? Josh went to get crackers. <laughs> crackers Damn for it. <laughs> That auction was hilarious. There is a uh, crackers for quadling uh, uh, Twitter account as well. Yes, yes, there is. There are so many Twitter accounts related to Quadling and various facets of his life, whether he likes them or not. It is kind of funny. I'm a bit embarrassed to say this. I always knew Josh as Josh. I never knew him by his handle. So when they're like, this whole crackers for Quadling thing, I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? Who the hell is Quadling? There's some. I actually have the crackers. Some they're they're goldfish. Those aren't those aren't crackers. Those aren't crackers. You're right. But yeah, so Josh, I have an embarrassing thing to tell you. For years, I never knew your handle. I just knew you was Josh. So they did this whole quackers for Quadling thing. I had no idea who the hell they were talking about. Who's Quadling? <laughs> Josh. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's really funny, but I, I, I used a handle. Uh, Quadling actually came about because I didn't know what the hell people were talking about. 20 years ago, I joined the Society for Creative Anachronism. I still have a, a rapier render somewhere and a set of leather armor and set like stuff like that. And, um, you know, they do medieval reenactment. And uh, they said, you need a Skadian name. And I said, what's a Skadian name? And you know, it's still the real person. And, <laughs> and uh, they said, you need a name. And I'm like, all right, I just finished the Wizard of Oz uh, Quadlings. Because Quadling land is next to Munchkin land surrounding the Emerald City. And it's oh. a, a race of... 
Oh, I didn't know this. They're, they're, they're honorable. They're trustworthy. They're lovely people. They're, they're, they're the, you know, salt of the earth type people. And they almost always wear red. You always learn something new on Iron Sissed Man. That's awesome. That's so much better than the history behind my stupid name. Evil Mod? Come on, go yeah. for it, man. All right. So uh, back in the day, the first aircraft I ever flew was Mike Oscar Golf or Mog. Then I played Final Fantasy VI and I'm like, hey, this is Mog character. That's awesome. So for years, I was Mog. And then I ran into Matthew O'Gorman. And so we had a name conflict. And so him having the initials, I'm like, look, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to change it to Evil Mog, you know, because I'm apparently an evil bastard or something. And it's kind of stuck. But it was purely as a result of deconfliction. Nice. No, that works. That works. That very, works. very gracious of you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you got the name, you keep the handle. Like, it, sorry, that's just the way it works. So we only have, uh, what, two news articles or three news articles to cover tonight. So let's see if we can move on Great. to number two. <laughs> uh, let's see. Security Boulevard, huh? Security impact of the government shutdown is not what you think. Um, I haven't even touched on this. So, Frizz or Jason, you uh, you had uh, included this. You want to give us a summary? Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is pretty long, but it's a lot of it is. Um, so there's because the turns out the government is shut down and has been for a while. Really? Um, I hadn't heard. Yeah. So I don't get this. I just a little segue on this thing. <laughs> In Canada, when we don't pass a funding bill, it automatically Can't even triggers get the election. Through the intro to the article. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't get it. You know, we if we fail to pass a funding bill, it shuts down our government and we cause an automatic re-election. Everyone gets kicked out. We re put in new new, new everybody across the board. How many parties do you have in Canada? About six. We have two. Yeah. And frankly, we only have one. Let's be honest. Yeah, we have one that wears two different colored shirts. <laughs> and this is why you're a backwards nation still using like the imperial system i mean we used to have more than two right like back in the day we had several parties and it's just for whatever reason dwindled down to two i guess i don't know my american history well enough you know it's because canada burned down the white house that's why is that why yeah i'll, I'll go with it that was in 1812 okay. get over it man come on <laughs> you canadians yeah keep it up we're gonna build a wall i like your bacon <laughs> I like your bacon. We just call it you guys call it Canadian bacon. We just call it back bacon. Right, back bacon, rashers, back bacon. It's the proper bacon. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you're gone. Yeah. So uh, the news story, the the news story is something about cybersecurity and the government shutdown. <laughs> so, so since the government has been shut down, a number of government websites have sort of fallen off the map, and there's been some speculation about whether or not we are susceptible to cyber attack. Yes, I'm drinking. Uh, because a lot of the people that maintain this stuff are no longer around. Um, and this is or this article sort of goes over, no, it's not quite that bad, um, but it is pointing out some interesting things. For, for instance, um, all of the NIST uh, documentation that pretty much all of the major companies use for security... Um, that's not available right now because the NIST website is essentially down. So no, that's they actually came back up. Is it back up now? They, they everybody was screaming about it because, like, if you can't get a copy of the cybersecurity framework, it's really tough to do the audit. Yes. <laughs> to be so, fair, NIST kind of is useless, but <laughs> what do you mean? NIST is awesome. Their password security recommendations are insane. Just they saying, not to have passwords. 
What are you talking about? They just they yeah they're, they just they're, they're, their people should never rotate secrets requirements. It just blows me away. A bunch of us in the passive community think that the standards are insane. Some of them are fantastic. I'm willing. Some of them are fantastic. Okay, good. We're on the same page. Yeah, I, I, I like their recommendation that length is better than complexity. I don't know how that stands oh. up against Mr. Password Hash over there. No, that that is correct. Length is better than complexity. Um, however, we also go by you should rotate your secrets, especially your privileged secrets on a routine basis, and keep them different between sites. Yeah, no, every time, every time we bring this up. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I'll, I'll go with you should rotate your secrets for sensitive sites. Yes, absolutely. I don't care about my google.com or my Twitter account because quite frankly you can go have it. But you know my domain admin secrets better be rotated. Yeah. Every time I bring this up during an audit or during a password assessment, someone goes and yells at me, but NIST says we don't have to rotate our secrets anymore. And they point to some random obscure part of the NIST standard and I have to go fight with them for three days. Yeah, if yeah. you're using a password manager and, and, and you can do something like that easily, yeah. The problem with rotating is that when you tell somebody to rotate, now they have password one, password two. Yeah, password when you tell yeah. Joe user to rotate, it's a problem. Yeah. yeah, get a password manager, rotate your secrets, manage your secrets properly. But the rest of NIST is awesome. Just the yeah. rest. So, the rest of it is fine, just not the password. Okay, cool. Yeah, not the password management. Yeah. Right, so, so um, NIST was... Down and actually, a Jedi Day is saying that these, the the uh, the note that I saw was, is still up there. Uh, due to a lapse in government funding, the majority of this website is not being updated until further notice. Hmm. Um, so for at least a at least a week or two, the NIST framework was not available to download from the website. Um, so what this what this has done, what this this article sort of mentions, is that um, this shutdown is highlighting some of these things. Like NIST is really important. Maybe there should be a backup somewhere that doesn't go down when the government shuts down for whatever reason. Like Torrent or Mega or, you know, anywhere like the inter- Wayback Machine. The I'm pulling this standards in a Wayback, Wayback Machine. We have problems, though. The thing I'm not certain about is why does a government shutdown take down a website? Because um, are, are they like they, are they like paying someone to turn a crank that generates power to run the server? Like a website is a thing that will keep running even if no one's being paid to maintain it. What if it's cloud hosted? They stop paying their bills. Well, that's one way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like an MSP kind of deal. Like you know, certain entity hosts websites for different departments under agreement, and if they didn't pay their bill, well, you're you're done. Sorry. I'm sorry. What? You, you got to talk into the microphone. Yeah, I don't know what you're up to there, uh, Dustin, but we sorry, can barely hear I, you. I, that's I better. I panicked when my son was screaming before I turned my uh, volume down. Screaming. I said, uh, ah, pretty much. Uh, I was saying there's probably some entity that manages uh, a lot of these services, like an MSP in a way, and they may have budgets set up where they can only, you know, I don't know, host something for so long without any type of uh, invoice or, or, or something like that. And it might be an automated thing. You never know. Like it could be literally somebody not extending a contract or something like that because cost control is becoming more and more important these days. I don't know. If, if I was the U.S. government's web host, I would sort of assume that they would be good for it. And not turn them off. No, that's a bad assumption. May, probably, <laughs> probably is, assumption. is considering the current state of things. But so the other, the other piece, it's not mentioned in this article, but I'm seeing it sort of speculated online quite a bit now. Um, is that the government shutdown is going to result in a lot of, or at least a portion of, the nation's top cyber or the top security professionals moving to different jobs and not coming back to the government after this. 
Um, See, now that's going to be a problem, right? Right. I mean, the biggest thing is, I mean, the, picture you're a, you know, the government doesn't exactly pay what certain private industry does, at least not in Canada. Um, the U.S. is probably similar to it. So say you're, you know, you got a decent pension, you're at a decent government job at, say, a three-letter agency or a NASA or any of those big government organizations not getting funded. And you know, all of a sudden, big industry comes knocking on the door and say, hey, we got some ridiculous money at Silicon Valley rates so you can work remote while you're fur- – instead of being furloughed, you can go make, you know, ridiculous dollars. Yeah. You jump in a heartbeat, you lose some talent. Called so, the brain hey, brain. hey, we heard that the U.S. government's not paying you anymore. Would you like to come to us? We will give you money for your job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I was a recruiter, I'd be hiring like mad. Yeah, right. That wouldn't be a, a bad a bad angle. Right? Seriously. Well, remember that I've actually heard it posited that that's the reason they're doing this. Remember, after a certain amount of time uh, of people being furloughed, they don't necessarily have to come back in terms of the government doesn't have to take them back. Oh, that's interesting. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I am not an expert on HR for the government. <laughs> but if, if you're aiming on reducing your or doing a reduction in force of civil service people, if they're not there for a couple of months and then you don't have to bring them back, hey, it's a reduction in force. Well, well and the nice part is in the government world, if it's not, it's not about the dollars. It's about the pension dollars. Oh, yeah, because funding a, a, a pension these days is very unpleasant. Yeah, so if you can shed, say, a bunch of over 50 workers to go, you know, like mainframe developers, you lose like half your mainframe developers to a contract shop that have been there for aeons, you know, early retirement, whatever else, and their pension liability drops off the map, that's net dollar win in the end of this. It's a good example. Conspiracies abound. Wow. Well, and it's interesting, too, is there still a struggle for skills in, in that area of the U.S. government as far as cybersecurity? Like, is there still a, uh, a trend where it's not what they consider a healthy number as far as how many candidates they've brought aboard or can find? Like, is that still an issue for them to try to find people that are qualified? That's a good question. I mean, the thing is, if you look at it from the overall high-level view of all this, it, there's all you know, there's a cybersecurity skills shortage for those who actually know what they're doing. There's a Correct. whole bunch of talent in the bottom end. There's a crap ton of talent in the bottom end. There's no yeah. talent in the top end because, let's be honest, there's no such thing as a security guy. The best security guys are network admins, uh, server admins, or coders that turn yep. security. So you got all these people graduating with cybersecurity degrees with no experience in the real world, filling up socks or taking on system men jobs that are you know, filling up in the bottom end. So yeah, they're fighting for people that know what they're doing. You know, if you want to pay for top talent that's got 20 years in cybersecurity plus 10 years in network engineering experience, you're going to pay through the nose for it. Yeah, and I don't think they always have the support to do so. And no, God no. Based on what I've seen or read in the past, like the last couple of years, there's always that article about the health of uh, our initiatives in that space and how it's always a continuing battle for the U S government. Anyways, I mean, I'd, I'd, have I'd, to find I'd say that, that's, but. that's any space. Like it is any space. Like, right? I, like, I, sure, I, absolutely. I see like, like t- at, yeah. at, at my own organization, I mean, trying to hire in someone to specialize in security is it's, it's, it doesn't happen. Getting, getting it funded is, is almost impossible. Um, Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I'd imagine that there's that that's a struggle in just about any any uh, industry. And and, and, that, and that's my point. Like at this point, if, if they're gonna, if that is like a, a rumor, you know, and it does become true, and they lose these people, it's kind of a scary thought. I'm not trying to be an alarmist by any means. It's just you know, it's it's something that kind of scares me a little bit personally. Not having a you know somebody 
there <laughs> or, or you know, people there. I have a theory. This is completely unfounded, so don't quote me on this, but you can quote me on this. You know, the people that are going to leave are probably going to wind up moving to an MSP or you know, yeah. another contracting agency <laughs> and contracting back to the government yep. for like four times the rate. <laughs> Double yep. the pay. Yeah, that's yep. true. That's yep. true. That's a good point. There's there's the panic button. Yep. It's, it's, ay, ay, ay. Well, there's also things like certificates. Certificates are expiring. Who's going to renew the certificates when they die? Yeah, it's right. That, that takes human I, action. Yeah, I, I stumbled across another article that mentions um, there's a there is they actually have a list because the I guess the list of government sites is public for have all these and they went through and checked all the dates on them. Um, there is a disturbingly large number of government sites that are going to expire certificate wise next month. Really? Oh, that first week. Interesting. That's great. That's great. weird. So Cybergadden, all new certificates? Call it Certigadden? All the well, I mean, you know, it all depends on if people are willing to click Hashtag. that that uh, uh, you know accept button when they go to ignore their security warnings. They I mean, people hit ignore all the time, so I mean, right. it shouldn't make a big deal. Yeah. Half the people, you know, like don't know what a computer is, anyways. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like the encryption turns off, but you know. Yeah, right. It's just that it gives you that warning, but you know, people clicking past that—that's generally a bad thing to to promote. Oh yeah, because it has people like me making lots of money from phishing campaigns. You yep. know, if I put on self sign left, right, and center, I can go pretend to be the government for your tax return and go right. do some DNS hijacking attacks. And you know, they had that big emergency about DNS for all government departments during the shutdown to protect against DNS hijacking. Right. So okay, so the DNS hijacking. Say that again. I'm sorry. Okay, so the U.S. government released a emergency alert to all government employees to harden their systems against DNS hijacking. And this is during the shutdown. Wait. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, it was on the register the other day. Hey, Bob, harden, did you get that host file? I need that. Harden your system file, against Bob. DNS hijacking. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, I'll drop a link in. It's a, There's a link here from ThreatPost on it. Um, is there really? Yeah. IP address again. An emergency directive from the Department of Homeland Security provides required actions for U.S. government agencies to prevent widespread DNS hijacking attacks. Wow. Interesting. Um, the Department of Homeland Security is ordering all federal agencies to urgently audit domain name system DNS security for their domains in the next 10 business days. <laughs> During a shutdown. Nice. <laughs> when, when do the certificates go? Uh, Jay, how many days? Uh, the certs, the, a lot of certs are, are expiring in the beginning of February. Oh, February. Um, I'm okay. not sure what the DNS hijacking attack piece is. Interesting. That's the lates or hmm. not. Uh, the warning comes on the heels of a January 10th FireEye report, which detailed a wave of DNS hijacking attacks targeting victims in you know, pretty much the world. Um, everywhere. The DNS is everywhere. Oh, my deaners. Who'd have thought it? <laughs> <laughs> the DNS is everywhere, man. I don't know what we're gonna do about it. Well, yeah, between DNS and BGP, take over the world. Yeah, you're right. Wasn't right. wasn't there a I, wasn't there? But there, I thought there were two of them. Um, there was a uh, an edict for the U.S. government to move to IPv6, mm-hmm. and then a second edict for them to move to DNSSEC. Well, listen. Yes, we are I, out I of IPv4. You're gonna have to move to IPv6, right? At least that's what I told me six baby. years ago or whatever. 
Yeah, well, we've been we've been saying that for a very long time. I'm still yeah. I'm not holding my breath yet because I'd be hey. dead about 20 years over. Okay, my ISP has native IP6 now to my house. I I could have sworn there was a there was a government mandate that all government systems had to be on IPv6. Like I don't know, t- four years ago or something. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know. <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me. DNS, the DNSSEC one came out when uh, Kaminsky came, announced that uh, that bug that uh, was basically had been around forever, um, and they they patched that, and then the government was like, "Oh, we have to go DNSSEC. Everybody has to do it right now." Yeah, well, you know, once once you know about a bug, then it's actually uh, relevant. You know, it's not a bug until somebody makes a logo and a pretty website for it. Indeed. So I talked to a guy that that used to run companies that found bugs, and he said we make up list of names in advance. <laughs> hey, yeah. Ed, hey Ed, I, I found a bug. This one rates like a nine. Can you spin the wheel for the nines? Okay, Seriously. okay, give me a name. <laughs> okay, tell me how Poodle was named. I, I really want to hear this. Poodle? I thought it was a the. I thought it was. I thought. It was an acronym for whatever they had come up with. Try I don't again. know. I don't remember. Nope. Some Oracle padding horse crap. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, my it's, money. It's, 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 it's a backronym. It is not. It was a f- random friggin' name. Yeah, they came up with the name, and then they made up the acronym after the fact. It's called a backronym. Yeah, right. They came up with the random name, and they made up with it for afterwards. Yeah, it's like, what, I mean, what should we I'm call not- it? Uh, Poodle sounds good. How do we turn that into something that makes sense to IT people? Well, IT people love acronyms. Just make up words that fit. Hey, I am a victim of this whole thing. Sorry, I'm I'm responsible for perpetuating this crap because my research was behind a name brand vulnerability. Who here remembers Drown? Yes. Uh, I yeah. Know. So Wait, the what? cluster ref. You remember the Drown vulnerability? Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So the SSL version two and version three. If you negotiate, or if those are enabled, even if you negotiate TLS, you can decrypt the entire stream. There was a cluster reference in that paper that had like 50, 60 plus GPUs. That was an unnamed member of Team Hashcat's personal cluster. That was actually mine. No shit. Yes. Cool. <laughs> the only reason my name wasn't on the paper is because at the time, my company didn't want me associated with that kind of research. So we put it under a pseudonym and called her a day. Two weeks later, Usenix15, someone releases my name, my handle, my cluster size and the company I'm working for in like measuring real world probabilities of password cracking on some Usenix talk. <laughs> wow. Interesting. <sighs> All right. So I think we can move on. We kind of beat that to what were we talking about again? Oh, the government shut down and I infosec. Right? I yeah, think. we're good. That was where we were. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the next one's yeah, from TechCrunch, and this one got added in the last minute because we started talking about it in the, the pre-show. Um, the, a French data firm, Data Protection Watchdog, find, yeah, but sorry, let me restart. French Data Protection Watchdog finds Google $57 million under the GDPR. So, uh, first of all, I, I could be wrong, but this is the first time I've actually heard of a GDPR fine. Am I wrong? Are there, have there been others in the news? Uh, I haven't heard of any. others. But nothing like uh, nothing is big. I mean, like GDPR so, was going to be uh, it was supposed to be persuasive, dissuasive. You know, yeah. it was supposed to it was supposed to really put a hurting on yeah. whoever screwed up. Right? We've we've talked about it on this show before as something that could literally put a small business out of business. Just just so because yeah. you know of, well, of the way the fines are structured. 
10 or 20 million euro or two or 4% of your global uh, uh, annual turnover, your, your, your revenue effectively, whichever is greater. Yeah. So like right. so, for a small business, 10 million euro is not a small chunk of change. No, no, so, not at all. And having million means that Google makes 1.4 billion global revenue. But here's the Google isn't really one company now. They're Alphabet with subsidiary companies out yeah, of like right. Ireland and other side companies. So they could have gone 4% based off of that one little subsidiary out of Ireland. Yeah, so I mean it says Google, but is that does that mean Google which is a subsidiary subsidiary of Alphabet or does it mean Alphabet? So, uh, let's see. This is well, what's fu- what, what's funny is is <laughs> So the regulatory body claims that Google failed to comply with GDPR when new Android users set up a new phone and follow Android's onboarding process. That's what they got fined for. Okay, is that uh, so? Okay. That's why there's a picture of the account sign up uh, screen yeah. in the the article. Yeah. So that that was that was what they got nailed on. Uh, essential information such as data processing purposes, data storage periods, or the categories of personal data used for the ad's personalization are excessively disseminated across several documents with buttons and links on which it is required to click to access complementary information. This sounds like a it's too hard to figure yeah. this out, which is, you know, I mean, that's valid. It's valid. But, you know, this is why people just click through the EULA. So there's it's, actually like GDPR protects against a EULA that is too complicated. Is that what you're saying? Supposedly. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, and then their consent flow doesn't comply. I'm not sure what the consent flow is. Apparently, wait, say that again. Google's consent flow doesn't comply with the GDPR. Oh, that's um, that's that you have to get explicit consent, and for everything that you do, and for everything that you um, that you do with their information. So, oh, as, so as I understand it, I could be wrong, but as yeah, I understand, so, the consent flow so is. It goes from, into from the detail. person all the way through to the processing, all the way through to the use of the data. Right. So by default, Google really pushes you to sign up, sign in, or sign up to a Google account. The company tells you that your experience will be worse if you don't have a Google account. According to the CNIL, Google should separate the action of creating an account from the action of setting up the device. Consent bundling is illegal under the GDPR. So they're saying that for your Android phone, you can't be required to have a Google account anymore. Right, which means, I mean, the same thing would happen for an Apple phone because yeah. uh, iPhone is only, only if you want to install apps. You, you don't have to have an account on the phone. Yeah, right. I mean, they're you right. Your 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 uh, experience with Android would be pretty horrible if you didn't have a Google account. Well, it doesn't Apparently. exist because for an for an Android phone, the first thing you do is log in with your with your Google account. Well, you can skip that. No, you can't. I know years ago you could. There used to be like a like a screen sequence. I'm talking uh, like ten years anymore. ago. No, now uh, they're tying into things like freeze lock protection, where you have to sign up with a Google account, then they bind your phone to that Google account. So if you factory reset the Google phone, you can't unlock it with somebody else's Google account, like the Samsungs and stuff like that. So right. it's a security measure they have implemented. So they're basically iCloud, same deal. You can't download apps onto an iPhone without having an Apple account. Right. Wow, this goes this goes even further. Um, yeah, this is deep. So, so there's another one here that so, so in during the setup, there's a there's apparently a, an option that says I agree to the processing of my information as described above and further explain the privacy policy. You know, but it's checked by default. 
Oh yeah, you can't and check by default the default box. Apparently checked by default, broad consent is forbidden under the GDPR. Yeah, you have to explicitly check the box. I actually had to add a GDPR button to our demos we run during our Crack Me If You Can contest. No oh, kidding. Sorry. Not Crack Me If You Can, but the, the Kraken demo where you enter in your fake password and you crack a password how long it takes to crack. That's awesome. We have a checkbox that says, I consent to collecting this for a prize. And we have to have that box. We call it the GDPR button because without it, it's GDPR <laughs> illegal. <laughs> wow you know nice it's, it, gdpr is a pain in the butt but it is really a great thing in a lot of ways absolutely because it requires that people understand what's going on with their data yes the thing i love about gdpr is it expressly calls out canada as a country that, uh, with equivalent privacy laws so um, you're allowed, so you're allowed to process da- data in Canada, but you know U.S. You have to do express permission to get processed in the U.S. Like we, Canada gets a free pass under GDPR for processing customer data because we have strict privacy laws. Do you do co-location? Strict <laughs> we do all laws. the time. IBM, oddly enough, has a data center in Edmonton that has like dual sixty amp feeds per rack. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but it only flows maple syrup. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we have a strategic maple syrup reserve, so and, yes. And bacon. <laughs> and bacon. Uh, real bacon. Real bacon. Canadian bacon. No, not or, Canadian or bacon. It, real is it, bacon. Is it back bacon? Real bacon. Back bacon is Canadian bacon. That's not real <laughs> bacon. Real bacon is bacon. Like, you know, the stuff you, you eat, like, that's real bacon. Well, I mean, at least America and Canada can agree on that. That's real bacon. Yeah. I, I agree. That is better bacon. I mean, you guys don't like poutine, but we have yeah, McDonald's poutine out here, which is awesome. So McDonald's uh, wait, wait, wait. sells excuse poutine. Me. Excuse me. Yes, I grew up in New Jersey. Have you ever heard of Disco Fries? Oh yes, it's basically poutine. Let's it be is honest. nice. Let's, let's agree with that. But yeah, McDonald's does poutine up here. That's cool. So, McDonald's does poutine. Uh, That's yeah, weird. But is it poutine with like McDonald's fries? McDonald's fries, a light duck gravy, and cheese curds. I think it's time to move to Canada. I don't know. I'm not sure if I would like that with McDonald's fries. You I need mean, like a good hearty I, fry. When they're nice, fresh, <laughs> like crispy fries, fresh out of the fryer, they're fantastic. I love okay. how a <laughs> podcast goes right for fried food, you know? <laughs> and cheese and oh, gravy. Yeah. Like, well, we yeah. know where we live, girls. All okay. the things that make you feel good. I just I just remember like years and years and years ago when I was a Boy Scout, we, we used to take trips to Canada. And one of the most awesome things that I remember about Canada is that at the time... You could get pizza at McDonald's. You can, or you used to be able to. Yeah. Back in the 90s, I yep. want to say. This is like the 90s, like 90s. Early 90s. Yep. Pizza at McDonald's. It wasn't great so, pizza, but it was just the fact that I could get pizza at McDonald's. It was cool. My my, my family actually has a house up in uh, Canada in the eastern townships. And um, we go there, and there's a, a bakery. Like, like, let me tell you something. Something Canada does have is amazing bakeries. The, 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 the almond croissants are to die for. They are so freaking good. Um, it's unbelievable. And the bread, oh my God, it's so flipping good. It's ridiculous. Speaking so, of one more secret about Canada before we move on from this topic, the best <laughs> coffee in Canada is no longer Tim Hortons. Oh no. But well, who is it now? What? Do you want to know why? Because Tim Hortons got rid of the supply chain about five, six years ago and McDonald's bought them out in Canada. So McDonald's coffee is the old Tim Hortons coffee in Canada now. Interesting. Interesting. Are you saying McDonald's coffee is good in Canada? Yes. It, it's the old Tim Hortons coffee because Tim Hortons coffee in Canada is bad now. It's another reason to move <laughs> to Canada, I suppose. 
I, I, my world just changed, and I don't like you anymore, Evil Mog. I'm sorry, okay? I'm fine with that, so they call me evil. <laughs> we can't be friends anymore. You have good coffee at your McDonald's. Oh. <laughs> All, right, All right, have we have we finished talking about GDPR or do we need to keep going on about this? <laughs> oh god, let's get let's keep let let let's let's kill the topic, please. Okay then. And that actually unless there was more to add, I see you guys were chatting about something in the the Slack. The SCP vulnerability, you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh. And there's also the app vulnerabilities too. Those are fun. I actually have not yet read up on this. Hold on, let me uh, let me throw it in the show notes so you guys can see which article we're talking about. What? There's notes to this thing. Oh wait, is yeah, that's that link I sent you, man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so someone did add it here. Yeah, I, I, I hacker news it, link. All right, let me open it up here. Discussion. Just because it's made news again, and oh, it's nice. 36 years old. And hacker blah, news. 36 year old SCP client's implementation flaw discovered. What's 36 that? 36 years old talking about this yeah i know this happened 36 uh, years ago except nobody knew about it apparently he missed the joke it's old news it's 36 years old that's what jason was saying <laughs> old. yes i get that get it haha <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you Sorry. listen I know, when i explain when the you, joke it's when not you funny, have to I explain know. the God, joke <laughs> so that vulnerability is about as old as i am case yeah. anybody's wondering yeah it's um <laughs> i didn't know scp was this old yeah. Me. Well, so so it's 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 based on. Um, what do you think we used carrier pigeons in the eighties? I didn't <laughs> know that SSH or SCP existed in the eighties. I thought it was all like FTP and Telnet. Now, back then, it was like RSIS or R Telnet and crap like that, wasn't it? RFC Hyper Terminal two fourteen didn't exist back then, so. Hyperterminal. Is that the evil bit? You guys are hurting me. Hyperterminal did not exist in the 80s. It was like literally like... That's the the oldest thing I could think of. (laughs) My first computer was a telex machine. (laughs) The oldest thing Dustin can remember is Hyperterminal. Let that sink in, guys. (laughs) I'm going to hit him. My first corporate job where I had to wear a collared shirt and stuff to work... Was working on Windows three one one. Nice. Okay. Did you use the hot dog theme, the red and yellow? Oh God, no! no. That thing was no. evil. I, I actually had these installed at, at uh, banks around the uh, around the world, and I, I was responsible for Canada. I was in Toronto twice a week. Hey. Um, I'm sorry. I got really acquainted with their hot dog vendors. They have the best hot dog stands in Toronto. Did you get any pizza have- at McDonald's? No, I did not have pizza at McDonald's, but they have <laughs> gas grills. It's not dirty water dogs like New York. They have gas grills and yeah. Mason's wow. full of stuff, and you just load up the hot dogs. Like, oh, this is good. Anyway, um, that sounds awesome. Quality. So, uh, but Windows three one one in nineteen ninety two. Uh, yeah, that that sounds right. That Back sounds then, it was about Nobel, right. wasn't it? Yeah. And IPX was common. Yeah, I was a CNA. Yeah, and I had my SPX. And um, we, uh, you know, now I feel like I need to get a cane. Back in my day, when we used magnets to move the, 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 the magnetic media we around. We had to set the Who, ones and zeros That's on right, our own. Like, my first computer was a Telex machine. No shit. Seriously. <laughs> so the thing was, I had terrible handwriting. So my parents were like, look, dude, your teachers are complaining. We're not going to buy you a typewriter. Mom stole a Telex machine from her work that we're getting rid of. And it was all uppercase <laughs> on the little crappy ribbon paper. I wrote all my reports on a Telex <laughs> machine up until about grade nine. 
Nice. So I got a three eighty six. Nice. Wow. I started on a. I started on a high school on manual typewriters. And in one of my classes, my handwriting is horrible. So I, I feel your pain, man. Yeah, so, me too. That's probably yeah. most of us on this show. Me three. In one of my classes, there was a typewriter there, and I told my teacher, my English teacher, I'm like, you're not going to read my handwriting. She's like, oh, I can read all kinds of handwriting. I'm uh-huh. like, here. And I wrote something, and I handed it to her. She's like, oh, my God. I'm like, but I can type really fast. She's like, you want to type all <laughs> you, your stuff? I'm you like, can type your notes, stuff. tests, exams, let's go. I sat in the front of the class, every class, Rolled the paper into the typewriter. Manual typewriter. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That's completely awesome. That is. You are my hero. My my. I'm taking a test. Going ding 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 ding. Whack. Ding 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 ding. Whack. My. Oh, you have that guy in your class. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Not not to sound like 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 a youngin (laughs) or anything here, but my dad told me this story when he was. He went to Penn State University, right? And he used to, like, in between classes, he would try to get his notes typed up, right? Now, this is in, like, the 60s, right? So he's in the parking lot at the Penn State campus. He had built himself this, like, board that he could wedge between the car seat and the back seat of his car so he could set up his typewriter and type his freaking notes. He was that guy in in college. That was my dad. (laughs) My dad. So okay. So we're gonna go back in time. Yeah. Right. My dad worked on the first timesharing system in New York, Multics. Man. Oh my God! Really? Yep. Dude, no matter what story you have, Josh has a better one. No. <laughs> it's just, it's just because Josh is old. <laughs> oh, it's getting warm here, man. I I don't know. Ooh. My grandfather ran uh, a lot of the special education in New York City. My dad uh, was a college professor for 40 years and just retired recently, um, you know, teaching statistics and system and, and uh, quantitative analysis. Um, you know, I've got a lot to live up to. OK, yeah, right. <laughs> I guess so. you're motivated. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Uh, so at dad, any rate, there's a there's a vulnerability in SCP, guys. Did you hear about yes. this? I heard about <laughs> it. It's entertaining. It's uh I don't know the complete details, and I'm the crypto guy, which is scary. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah, so none of it, none of it is crypto based, though. So it's it's all it's all how SCP handles things like uh, validation of directory names. Yeah, is it something like you reuse like connections and stuff like that? I don't believe so. It's, it's well, that was all, the SSH one. Yeah, you have to have you have to have an actual account um, and be able to connect in order to use any of this. Um, but you can basically access directories and, and objects that are not you're not supposed to have access to. Oh, so it, it requires being able to get an SCP connection to begin with. Yeah, right. Okay. But it allows you to run, uh, you know, run code. Um, yeah. On you, their machine. Absolutely not yeah, good. I file things. And like more that. importantly, it's 36 years old, guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> Why is Evil Mug trying to SCP into my laptop? <laughs> Why do you have SCP turned on on your laptop? Oh, it's totally valid. It's so he can work remotely, right? Uh, no, that'd be SSH. Anyway. Yeah, right. So, or Scream. <laughs> um, uh, T-Mux. Ooh, I love T-Mux. T-Mux SCC. Scream, baby. All right, guys. So I think I think there's a fix. Come on now. I think there's a fix for this, right? Does it say there's a patch? There's there were patches um, when I first heard about it. The, the notes were something along the lines of uh, uh, 
a lot of beating of chests on which distro was the best because some distros didn't have a patch yet. Oh, wait, this uh, is... This says it's a client side thing. Does that mean the client is what has to be patched? Um, you must be able to prohibit this on the server side. Probably. Yeah, vulnerable clients including OpenSSH, PuTTY, WinSCP. No, no, it's a, no, it's a client attack. So the yeah, client attack stand in the middle of it and, and attack the client. Interesting. The it's always the client's fault. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> if care. I'm if I'm running a vulnerable client, people can attack my workstation. It's not like a vulnerable client makes the server I'm connecting to vulnerable. Correct. That be that would suck. I mean, someone should talk to the DerbyCon CTF guys and get this vulnerability included in their CTF. Indeed. And, you know, kind of like shell shocks for grins. I don't <laughs> see the havoc on the uh, <laughs> on the people who run this stuff. Yeah. So awesome. I, we we arrived we arrived a day before DerbyCon when Shellshock dropped, and oh. the, the advice was don't join don't join the wireless. Uh. The DHCP automatically shellshocks you. Connection. Uh, so I have a funny story about this. <laughs> Before I worked for my current employer, I worked for a government-owned cool. bank, and so I got a phone call from IBM calling me up, like, "Hey, we hear there's a shell shock vulnerability coming down the pipe. Call us if we need any help." My boss replies, "Hey, Dustin's down at DerbyCon, sitting next to um, Egypt right now, helping him <laughs> fix his VM as he's developing the exploit. You call us if you need anything." Right. Nice. <laughs> so actually, wow. Uh, Rick awesome. Farina um, actually put a uh, he just told the story so Zero put a, uh, um, a a router at the CTF, the wireless CTF in the box, packed it up and went You know, and at the next place he was running a class I think it was, he opened it up, turned it on and then nobody was able to get on that was running Kali, everybody that was running Pentu was able to get on the network, everybody was running Kali their machine was just shut down because Shellshock was running on the D DNS server, the DHCP server, and it was just sending out shutdown dash H now, <laughs> shutdown dash H now. So everybody running Kali, which was vulnerable, I don't yeah. know if it was, but get on the wireless, or get get and a, then get shut a, down and shut down. And they're like, we can't. And Pentu's working, so you know Zero's just like, well, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what and, the problem is with your other your inferior distro. <laughs> he looks over, he goes, oh, that VM shouldn't be running. Sorry, you know. So funny thing, if you ever want to annoy Zero, ask him how it's like to maintain the uh, third best Linux distribution out there. Or third best security distribution out there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to compile a reaction. What's, uh, oh. what's, the, what's the second best? That was a poor joke, poor joke. Uh, Black Arch. <laughs> or Bla oh, come on. And what's the first? The first is Kali, obviously. The best is actually Ubuntu running PTF. There you know go. what? I will not lie. That's not a bad call. Yeah, yeah, but it's not a a security distro. So no, that but fit. it's a security layer thrown over a really good distro. And I, I love Dave and I love PTF. So I still say Ubuntu with PTF is my favorite. There you go. Ubuntu with PTF is valid. Um, yeah. And it, 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 but I, I will tell you that the binaries for Pentu have made it a heck of a lot easier to set up. I know. So. But you see. I love Zero. It's just I can't support anybody crazy enough to get their kicks at night doing a stage one compile every single freaking day. Like that requires somebody's mentally deranged a little bit. It does. Yeah. And I respect zero. him for it. I, I, I so I have respect for Zero because he got in an argument, an argument with HD Moore <laughs> about Metasploit and how it worked in relation to Pentu and won. 
Yep. Yep. Interesting. I will buy that. Seriously, I fully respect Zero Eyes like to grind his gears a little bit, and yeah, I just mess with them every once in a while every time I see him. So we will, we will. We, oh god, that's funny. I'm gonna have to tell him that. Okay. So I, I think um, I'm just gonna wager that we have officially ended the news section of the show. Yes. Do Do, do we need to vote for? I'm just gonna do this. Let's do like the government does. Nay or yay? <laughs> yay. Yay. I abstain. You. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the show, uh, i.e. the two co-hosts we have tonight, um, that means we've, we're no longer talking about the news. <laughs> In case you needed a cue. <laughs> no, now we can talk about our favorite topic, DerbyCon. Yeah, well, oh, uh, we have, yeah, we have two, first. two quick things of housekeeping to do that we try to do every show. Uh, first is just general announcements, and the other is if we got any reviews. Um, so the only announcement I've got Oh, we've got a DEFCON meetup coming up, don't we? Uh, DEFCON 610? Yeah, first, first Wednesday of next month. It'll be like next, what is it, two weeks away? Two weeks away. I think it's, I think it's two weeks. But I we won't have another show before then. So, yeah, uh, February 6th, DEFCON 610 meetup. So, um, we always tell people, I don't know that we've ever actually brought anyone to the meetup from the show, but you should come to Easton, drink good beer. To Houston, you say? No, Easton. Easton. Oh, Easton. That would be this Excellent. this tiny little city. I guess it's a city in, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, they do. Oh. It's at a brew pub. Good beer. Good beer. And they have they have uh, short rib poutine. If I wasn't in Victoria speaking at the time, I'd gladly come. Okay. Well, I mean, it's every, every month. <laughs> the first it's Wednesday of every month. Poutine is very good. <laughs> And they have a peanut butter burger that is to die. It is good. Oh, yeah. It is a very, very good, good venue. Very good venue. They have that bacon appetizer as well with the pork belly. All oh. the different pork. That is so good. They okay, I'm there. Send me details. I'm down. The bacon board? Yeah. Yes, yeah. the bacon board. Oh, yeah. my God. I missed that. I mean, absolutely, I man. We will time. certainly uh, look up the Defcon, Defcon 610 on meetups. Meetups.com, I think. Anyway, uh, the only other announcement I have is that our show from last week or two weeks ago about Podman was actually tweeted by the Red Hat Developers Twitter account, which was pretty cool. And that's mainly because of my involvement with the Red Hat Accelerators, which, you know, cool. We're getting us uh, some some interesting uh, feedback and and uh, exposure for the show. So good stuff. And Dustin's baby is crying. Sorry. No, no, no it's fine. He's it's fine. Pressing himself. We get it. We get it. Your big, your baby he wants, wants to be on the show. Itself. He does. He's grabbing. He's like, hey, let he me listen to, too. He wants to be Good on the show. Hand. That's you fine. Two AirPods, man. Come on. What's wrong with you? <laughs> listen, He's when InfoSec Rockstar. When we had Ed Scotus on, my daughter decided to come up and talk to us about Minecraft. So you know, whatever. Cool. <laughs> Obvious Minecraft fan right here. Yep. Whoa. Totally. Doesn't okay. And uh, for reviews, we got uh, I got a message on YouTube in reference to one of our uh, episodes from a guy named Doug. I won't use his last name because, you know, that's just not polite. Uh, he goes, hey, I usually get your podcast through the RSS feed. Use BeyondPod uh, for the commute. Not sure if that's registered as a listen or, or whatever. 
So I guess he's he's concerned as to whether he's showing up on our statistics or not. He says, but thanks for putting it on. I'm an old sysadmin and appreciate references back to the 90s, which we have a lot of, just like pizza at uh, McDonald's in Canada. Uh, when he was desk-side support. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the, the comment there, Doug. I responded to you on YouTube, so you should have that already. And uh, thanks for watching. It's cool. And as a note, uh, we're up to... So, what was it, just two weeks ago we finally hit 100 subscribers? Or was it... I guess it was last month at this time. Uh, we're already up to 116, so that's cool. That's not a big number Yeehaw. from YouTube perspective, it's, but uh, it's still we're, a number, though. we're not really a YouTube-focused show. Like, I really only use it so we can do this recording, and I do it live just because, you know, we can. Um, so it's not like a, you know, like I focus on how many subscribers we have, but it was, you know, so it was great to I've, finally get 100 subscribers. I've got an idea. Yeah? If, if we wrote an exploit for UPnP and we had our show automatically pop up on everybody's Chromecast. Good idea. That's, I, I mean, I, this sounds familiar. Sounds like an RSA scam. I heard, I heard about somebody <laughs> doing this. He's some YouTube guy. Yeah, yeah, that whole magical Chromecast thingy. Where it was a printer thing. There was a, there was a printer thing, one. and then there was a there Chromecast was thing, and, and we the, talked uh, about the, both the, of them the, on the, the show Chromecast. a couple weeks ago. Now we're all talking over each other, but I am the one with the the mixer, so my voice comes through. Ha! <laughs> he has True. priority. I have priority. <laughs> he's like he's like an ISP outside of net neutrality. There's fast lanes. So yeah, right. right. Way to bring it back. There you go. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Announcements done. Reviews Announcements done. and and reviews done. Now we get to just transition music. Yeah, I guess we'll go straight to the main topic because the main topic is kind of going to be chat. Uh, talk to us. Where do you want to start? <laughs> Gotta play the music first. Gotta play the intro, the, the, the transition oh, music. It's all about the... Maybe Wait, you, you guys can't even hear show? it that well. I don't know. Do you know how many shows I, watch, I try to watch? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's kind of janky, by the way. I know. Well, yeah, it doesn't come through the Hangout that well, but it comes through really nicely on the recorder because it's just through the, you know, the the mixer here. So, uh, yeah, Hangouts is janky. But yeah, yeah, I'll blame Hangouts. Um, Hangouts going away I, in 2020. But I can do this. I'll, I'll, I missed the button. Where's the kaboom? <laughs> There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. We can get Marvin the Martian in, in on the show. How how many Hello? how many other podcasts can say that? I don't know of any. <laughs> so at any rate, well, so what is this now? Two weeks ago? Let me look at the date here. January fourteenth. We got some pretty terrible news. And uh, sorry, what's that? Yeah, thumbs down, right? Yeah, yeah, January. Oh, now it's, did I say 19th? I said 14th, January 14th, which happens to be the day that we, well, I won't even go into it. Um, it was cutover day where we moved our, our on-prem email to Gmail. So that was like uh, two, uh, two bad things that day. <laughs> you poor bastard. Yeah. So I was like head down in migration mode. And uh, in the, like, I, I noticed all these people that I know from DerbyCon on Twitter, sharing memories about Twitter, or about, uh, not about Twitter, about, about DerbyCon. Yeah, memories about Twitter, like Twitter is going away. No, 
uh, about DerbyCon. I'm like, well, this is weird. What's going on? So I start, I pick one of them and I go back in the thread on Twitter and I see that the source of the thread is a tweet from DerbyCon about how 2019 is going to be the last DerbyCon. So that was a heck of a shock for me. And um, my initial reaction was like, this has got to be some kind of a joke because, you know, the people who run DerbyCon, they're all about trolling and whatnot. Uh, but it uh, doesn't seem to be a joke. It's not April 1st. And um, yeah, it's just it's definitely... It's not a joke. It's not a thing. Yeah, I think, or it's it's I not a joke. The, uh, I figured this was the DEFCON is canceled uh, joke. That's exactly. Canceled. That's a running okay, gag. That would be funny. It's no. a, that's a running gag. So, there's and... a funny joke about this, too. So I have a curse when it comes to black badges. The second people black badge <laughs> me, the conference gets canceled. Happened with Sky.Con. It gets. It happens with DerbyCon. And the funny part is, because we won Hacker Jeopardy two years in a row, we get automatically seated into DEFCON, the Hacker Jeopardy. If they make Hacker Jeopardy a black badge event at DEFCON and we win, in theory, <laughs> this curse could continue. So DEFCON's going to be canceled in a few years? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's my guess. For realties? For realsies. For realsies. No, so, it, uh, anyway, I guess, you know, to finish the intro, basically, um, I brought Evil Mog and Quadling onto the show tonight, and we're talking about the possibility of this being a more than one episode thing. Not not necessarily with Evil Mog and with Quadling, but maybe with other people who are prominent from the DerbyCon conference. Um, you know, just sort of either... You know, just talking about DerbyCon, up maybe up until DerbyCon. I don't know. We'll we'll see if, if we can make this a recurring thing or not. Um, it really is an idea that Mog and I came up with just earlier today, and I chatted with our, uh, our normal co-hosts, and uh, there seems to be some um, some interest in the idea. So we'll see. Maybe like once a month or so, we'll 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 have a similar you know co-hosts on and whatnot. But anyway, I thought we would just chat about. DerbyCon in general. First of all, what happened? Why did the conference? Uh, wh- why have they called off the conference after 2019? Um, you know, and just sort of share some fond memories and and good times from DerbyCon, and you know what a positive impact it had instead of focusing on the negative, uh, the things that have taken the conference away from us. So I will tell you that I know exactly why it's been canceled. Okay, because I told Dave that in 10 years I want my gold badge so I can retire from security. And so he was darn sure going to make sure that we didn't make 10. So it's all my fault, but Dave, I'm really annoyed. So, it's no. funny. I was talking with Dave about the same thing. I mean, the thing was, from the very beginning, Dave said if DerbyCon ever becomes not fun for him, he's going to stop it before it gets stupid. He did. He's seen too many conferences running well beyond it was fun because I think it was when DerbyCon started, Dave had no idea how to run a conference. Half the conference organizers had no idea what the heck they were doing. They were winging it year one. I mean, for a lot of the things. And the thing was, you know, DerbyCon actually started the year before DerbyCon won. It started as a Metasploit class because someone wanted to go run one the year before, and it just turned out to be wildly successful. So they figured, let's just make this a conference. And he, I remember, right in the opening ceremonies, he's like, look, if this becomes not fun, we're going to end it, but this is an experiment. The fact that it survived a decade, if you count the Menace Blade yeah. pre-class, not my bad. God, that guy deserves a medal. Yeah, indeed. Well, indeed. the entire organizing crew does. They yeah, just, they, they all do. They did a they Yeah, did a I guess thing. that's fair. That's fair. We always focus on Dave because he's sort of the head of the thing, right? He's the, the showman, if you want to say it. But uh, there is a team surrounding Dave, including his wife, 
which I oh mean, yeah if like if, keeping mrs relic happy because i mean you gotta admit like the amount of late hours that comes with that and then yeah. of course you got things like creepy carl and you know dave you know all the rest of the crew like the amount of work that goes into keeping that thing running like those green shirts work their asses off yeah i mean if yes, if, if my do. wife and i went through that much stress we'd probably wouldn't be married anymore so props to dave and yeah. his wife <laughs> i can't even organize a New Year's party with a hundred people without losing my crap. I can't imagine corralling twenty five hundred of us together without anybody dying. So I will tell you that running a smaller conference besides Delaware, um, we brought uh, somebody on. So it's a triumvirate now. It's uh, Eric Arnoth, Janice, and myself, and it's still not entirely fun. And mm-hmm. as any conference organizer will tell you the best moment of the conference is when you're done. Yeah, yeah well, but that's then you why just for a while. start the following year, don't you? Yes, yes, yes. Don't remind me. Or I'll it's horrible. <laughs> What's the next meeting? Dave had a long-standing tradition of when you launched a new conference, he'd black badge you to his. He did it to Skydog. He did it to a few other tiny ones. Because he recognized how hard it was running a conference. Yeah, yeah. And he sponsored many other conferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, one year we were running a little short on money. I said, Dave, would you mind? He's like, here's a check. Uh, awesome. You know, DerbyCon did a lot of good. Okay. DerbyCon launched my career. If it wasn't for DerbyCon, I wouldn't have made any of the contacts I made to go be wearing this shirt that I'm wearing right now. I wouldn't have learned how to do some of the weird pen testing crap I've done, or I made the connections with the team in the crypto community. If it wasn't for DerbyCon, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah, so uh, listeners of the show will remember that maybe a year ago, I talked about how a connection that I made through DerbyCon helped us through a weird password migration problem that we had moving from Samba to Active Directory. Well, Mog here, right here on the show, is that guy. He's the guy that I chatted with and said, like, hey, I know you do all this stuff about password hashes. Do you have some way that we can do this? And within, I don't know, what did we chat, for half an hour? You came up with a suggestion, and bam, we had a way to convert all of our passwords. Yeah, it was something stupid I brought up at the time. It was either some password plug-in or some Active Directory Sync stuff or some other evil magic that I'd thought of from years ago that just magically worked somehow. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was basically a tool you pointed me to that could take the old, the old not-so-great hashes and import them into Active Directory, and then forcing a password reset later would fix the crappy hash with a better hash, which is a thing that... You know, certainly it got our old passwords into AD, and now we can, at our leisure, have a, a password reset. Um, That's right, too. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, right. So it like it saved our bacon. It's like we went through this big, long project to come up with uh, Active Directory for Campus, and now we're like, all right, cool. We got all the users there. How do we get their passwords in? Crickets. I know a guy. No one on the team had figured this out, and it's like one day... We get we're almost at the end of the project, and I'm like, so how did we? How are we going to get the passwords in? I was waiting for our, our identity folks to go like, oh yeah, we got the, we have this solution, and it didn't happen. And I'm like, really? We we didn't think of it. How are we going to get it? Like, it's kind of late in the game, guys. And there we go. I had a chat with with Mug one day on a Friday when I was working from home, and it was just like a shot in the dark, and bam. So to be this, fair, I was kind of liquored when we had the conversations. So I don't remember much of it. I don't. <laughs> I don't care, man. It worked. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> it worked. I, I handed our identity folks a link to the tool that you said, and I said, hey, it looks like this is going to do the job for us. And within half an hour, he was importing password hashes. Oh, crap. That's cool. I had no idea. Yeah, right. So, I mean, like that's it. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that DerbyCon has enabled for me as a sysadmin, right? I could only imagine what it's done for people in the InfoSec community. 
One thing I loved about DerbyCon is Dave from the beginning said there are no rock stars. He says, I don't care whether you're Mubix, Egypt, Quadling, Dave Kennedy himself. You know, there are no rock stars here. Feel free to approach anybody. And I think that was the start of it. I mean, there was a little bit of a bar area downstairs, and the layout of DerbyCon kind of made things happen. And people just sat down, and we started talking shop. And then, you know, ideas started flowing, and random stuff just kind of happened. And that was the magic of DerbyCon. It's It was a conference, uh, and is a conference. I shouldn't talk about it in the yeah. quite yet. Not yet, yeah. Not at, yet. at its best, DerbyCon is a place that anybody can talk to anybody. Um, and that's and, and let's be honest, that's true of, of any good InfoSec conference. Anybody can talk to anybody. I, I, I've, I've talked to many people who are, I guess the word is starstruck. And uh, they're like, oh my God, it's, you know, it's, it's whomever. And I'm like, so go say hi. Like, I couldn't think of it. I'm like, do you see a bodyguard or entourage? Like, no. I'm like, go say hi. And they go say hi, and all of a sudden they're they're three steps up in their career. And the person they said hi to is thanking me for pushing them because this person is so valuable to them now in their team. And oh, it's yeah. it that's awesome. DerbyCon was my recruiting hot ground for years. Some of my best hires were from DerbyCon. They were brand new, no one had ever heard of them. They thought of some random solution, some CTF. Bang, here's a job or here's a connection. And they turned out to be freaking rock stars. Like it's been choice because i know there's just something that it attracted a certain kind of people that just wanted to get stuff done right yeah right. the approachability is was, was great um was it i don't think it was the first year we may have made a um slight error in calculating when we should both arrive and depart the first year and it almost killed us um but i Indeed. believe the second year we ended up uh we ended up at some crazy restaurant. That uh, was a second year. I was thinking of the dropping, same story, and I'm like, no, that was was that the first year? No, yeah, the first no, year we didn't dropping, connect with like anybody. <laughs> dropping champagne zero days with HD Moore. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I don't remember much of DerbyCon one because I survived the Coraline boot camp my first two years, and then filled a bathtub full of beer and threw a room party. <laughs> yeah, our our first year we decided that well, DerbyCon was happening um, Friday morning. So we, we left Thursday afternoon for a 13-hour drive. Yeah, because um, somebody had a place. class they had to get to and didn't want to miss. Look, classes are important. Yeah. We got there like, what, one or two in the morning? Um, slept I, for a couple I don't of know. Hours I remember still conference. being on the road at 2 a.m. <laughs> we, you guys we, were insanely destroyed. You were sitting in like zombies like, I think we're here. Uh, <laughs> we left, we left we, Sunday look. directly after the closing ceremonies and drove home. Yeah. Look, so and the having thing was, Jason, you were the only one that was cheery and chipper. You're like, yes, we're going to drive home. And everybody else is like, kill him now. <laughs> kill him. He must die. No, was- I think I think that was the second year because the first year we were like, oh, we almost died on the way home. I had to I had to pull the car over because I, I couldn't see the road anymore. Yeah. So like uh, at the time, Jason, and I worked at the same place and uh, we had gotten a rental car paid for by. The, the employer to drive from Pennsylvania to Louisville. And this is the way I have gone to DerbyCon. The two of us have gone to DerbyCon every year since. We always get a rental car. I still work for the place. He doesn't anymore. But I always get a rental car. And like all those of us that have routinely gone from Pennsylvania to DerbyCon have gone in the car. Uh, anyway. This is a cost savings measure. Yeah, right. So uh, they had this thing called an authorized driver's list, which I wasn't on, but he was. So he had to drive. 
because, you know, whatever, if we got in an accident or whatever, I wasn't covered under the employer's insurance policy. Therefore, I couldn't drive the rental car that the that the, the employer had given us. On the way, he drove the whole way down, like, I don't know, was it 12 hours or 14 hours roughly, that year? Like yeah, I mean, it's it's like a 10-hour drive, but it always works out to be about 12 when you consider rest stops and whatever. Well, it seemed to take even longer that year. And I can just remember coming into Louisville, I'm half-dazed, and Jason is listening, listening to um, Scott Moser's podcast. And it's this podcast... Oh. And he's telling a story about a news article about some woman or some girl being eaten by a bear. And I'm just like, kill me. (laughs) Like, I'm going to (laughs) die. Because I'm I'm half I'm half asleep. I'm not feeling well because of like just all this time in the car and this like podcast where he's in. I, I won't go too deeply into the the what the whatever Scott Mosier was reading. Not Scott Mosier. Um. Kevin Smith, not Scott Mosier. Yeah, Scott Mosier is the co-host. Anyway, um, anyway, it's just like I'm gonna die. And then we get to DerbyCon at like three in the morning. We walk into the Hyatt, and there's still people awake doing things. Oh yeah, and, and we've never been to a security conference before. And this no idea what to expect. I want to say lost. this is the first conference I'd ever gone to. Not just the first security conference, but the first conference. I'm, I'm like mine too. This is my first conference I've ever been to as well. I am not a fan of crowds. I'm not a fan of like. This is probably the furthest I've traveled on my own at this point in my life. <laughs> and you walk into us, and I walk into DerbyCon. <laughs> so this was the year we got kicked into the bar because we were too loud in the lobby. Yep, yep, yep. Oh my god, I remember that. Yep. That was when the the bar was still on the second floor at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we uh, we arrive. We we got barely any sleep and got up the next morning and registered. And the person that we were supposed to be meeting there ended up not being able to go for some unknown reason. Yeah, but he hooked us up with somebody else, and they were going to sort of kind of take us under their wing and introduce us to some people. I'm not going to name names. Um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but we went to meet this person who immediately blew us off, wouldn't talk to us, and have nothing to do with us. Yeah. So we were sort of on our own. Yeah, we, we met up with him after the opening ceremony. And he just basically like, oh, yeah, hi. And that was it. Yep. Just like, yeah. bye, get away and, from uh, me, you, you so, unknown people. <laughs> so we, we spent the first, the first DerbyCon sort of actually going to different talks and sort of hanging out and had a ball. We had we learned an incredible oh, yeah. amount, a ton, a ton we of stuff. Met, we met some people. We're you know still that shy, like we don't know who to talk to, who not to talk to, whatever. But we ate at that uh, awesome Irish pub a lot. Yes, we did. Which is gone oh, now. Pub. That's a shame. Gone. This is awesome. Um, and I want to say I think we met you guys the first year too, Josh. I think so. Um, yeah. I mean, I I've been there every I, year, so I imagine. We, we went out I, I to. That was my first B sides. We went out to eat with you, the second year. Second year is that when we took you to Jack Fry's or no? no we no, went to Saffron. We going to the Saffron's. Yep. Saffron's was great. Saffron's was yeah, great. I, I I can hardly. So we're talking restaurants in, in Louisville. I gotta I gotta plug Jack Fry's. Absolutely. Some of, the best, some of the best food in the known world is Jack Fry's in Louisville. That's that's Alex. one of my best memories of DerbyCon is going to Jack Fry's with you guys. Oh my God, that's amazing! So did, did, I told you the Gillis story, right? 
You told us the what? The Gillis story about Jack Fry's. No, I don't know if I oh, the God. Gillis story. So we, the first time we went to Jack Fry's was an accident. We were going to Harvest, but it was closed. We we're with Gillis in a taxi. The cab driver goes, ah, I take you to a good restaurant. Okay. So he takes us to Jack Fry's, drops us off in boogies. We're like, uh, okay. This place looks like closed. a hole in the wall. <laughs> it does. But you it walk does. in and it's a 1930 steakhouse. The waiters are wearing the whites and blacks. The uh, the walls are covered with black and white newspaper clippings. The, the, the belt and pulley fans are going overhead. And you're like, oh. This place is cool. It is. They I've never been that. to Jack Fry's. What's that? Never been to Jack Fry's. Oh, I always said Don Crow's is my place. We're going to fix that this year. Yeah, you're coming you're to Jack Fry's with us. You got to come with us. So uh, <laughs> we go, and um, Gillis looks at the menu, and he goes, They have foie gras here? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's on the menu, foie gras. And he goes, That's illegal. <laughs> Like, is no, it? it in California? It is. Oh, okay. And he told us that apparently in California, there's certain places you can go and like you order certain things off the menu and they, they slide a dish of foie gras on the plate on the table. And I'm like, what? It's like a speakeasy thing. He goes, yeah. I'm like, did you lose your voice? He goes, no. I'm like what the heck is going on? He goes, it's illegal. Shut up. All right. It's not illegal. So here. Um, <laughs> we, we ordered foie gras so he could taste it. He'd never tasted it before. And he's like, this is different. I'm like, yeah, that's really weird. He goes, yeah, I'm not, you know, he, he's like, okay, now I've tasted it. Thank you. Okay, no problem. But it was just funny how it's illegal in California. And so he's freaking out in Louisville, Kentucky. You know? right. To be fair, there's some weird stuff that's illegal in California. Uh, have you been to Cal? I mean, I've never been to California, but have you heard of California? Yes. <laughs> okay, so everything, including air, is carcinogenic in California. Everything's oh, yeah. illegal. I, I love I love when I open up a package of something. I don't care what it is, and there's like a little piece of paper that was stuffed into the package that says, you know, like the packaging of this product is known to cause cancer in California. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so if else. I'm not in California, I'm not at risk. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so so go to Jack Fry's. Uh, um, you have to go this year. And, and, and if you if you yeah. show up with us, and Rich happens to be there, you can see the food gas. Oh, yes. oh perfect! You see, my big thing is we always hit up Doc Crows. I don't. I don't. Think I don't ever have I Doc been to Doc Crows? You never been to Doc Crows? I don't know. You know a barbecue place? No. You never been to Jack Fry's? So. Yeah, <laughs> You've so never been to Jack Fry's? <laughs> <laughs> so Doc Crow's has some of the best freaking barbecue, like the best half chicken I've ever had. They've got oysters and they got some of the best dessert. Like you've got this, yeah, you know, ice cream with like pralines and like ah maple syrup, like real maple syrup on like, this crap you guys have, like Saint Jemima crap, but actual maple syrup on their ice cream and ah, it's prime. Of course, the Canadian goes for the maple syrup ice cream in Kentucky. Okay, fine. <laughs> Actually. I was never a bourbon fan until I came to uh, Louisville. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, this stuff's actually not bad. We went up That's... to the Galtos that one year for Bourbon Con, and I was yeah. hooked. That's something else I have to remedy at DerbyCon this year. I have to actually have some bourbon in Louisville. I don't so you think... go to the Brown Hotel. The Brown Hotel not only has the hot brown, which sounds horrible. It does. <laughs> it, it's toast with turkey uh, bacon and gravy, and like okay, so it's an open face sandwich. Big Sounds deal. Sounds good. No, it's amazing. And you go, do you have bourbon here? And they look at you offended because it's a, a fine hotel in Kentucky. Yeah, of course. And they, bring we do. The, they bring out the bourbon menu. It's one panel about you know about eighteen inches tall. Yeah, and they put it in front of you, and then they unfold it, 
and then they unfold it. <laughs> and you have bourbon wine. Bourbon. Yes, we do. <laughs> that sounds like, like the Galtos. Like the Galtos has probably four different kinds of bourbon. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh my goodness, what's good? And they're like, this is the Brown Hotel. We don't have bad bourbon. You're like, I, I'm sorry, don't hurt me. Can I just, you know? just pick one at random? What What do I do? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and then they start interrogating you. What do you like in bourbon? I'm like, I, I don't really know bourbon. They're like, what? It's like, I, I get I out. Makers really <laughs> yeah, like, Mark. Yeah. I, I know that's the thing. Mark. Bourbon is a very complex drink. And I didn't realize this. I was big into my rums, right? Like there's like 40 different kinds of rums across oh. the board. And I collect high end rum. Like your, you know, your Zaya Grand Reservas, your Agnostoria 1919s. Like I can do rum all day long. Oh, I had the 1919 at, at Shmukon this past week. Yeah. It's fantastic. Isn't it? Lovely. Um, hey, do you know something called Flor de Cana? I've heard of it. Never had it. Uh, so uh, Blue Knight just got to Kahuna a bottle of it for for uh, for like special occasion. Uh, beautiful, beautiful bottle. Anyway, so it's all about the bottle. That's anyway. the thing. I didn't realize it, that it there was such complexities to bourbon, right? Like there's you know there's subtleties. You know, it's there's something perfect. It's like scotch. I can't stand this nasty, smoky scotch. scotch, but I like the nice, smoother scotch. Like I like my stuff like. Almost like the Japanese whiskey style. There's bourbons for that kind of style. Like bourbon is a very rich drink, and I didn't realize this. Mm. Uh, Bill Pollock, who who runs No Starch Press, mm-hmm. uh, Bill's awesome. Bourbon freaking monster. Yeah, he's he's crazy. He knows bourbons. Like he goes to DerbyCon and makes a, a a road trip for like an hour around DerbyCon to go to so many distilleries where he's like, you can only buy it here. So I spend the time while I'm here. It's like okay. Dude, My pissed off is I can only bring two bottles back into Canada when I come home, so I always bring back two bottles of something from DerbyCon. Right. Uh, can I ship you bourbon? No, I have to bring it with me across the border. I, they started seizing all my shipments from outside because I used to get stuff from Romel Whiskey Club out of the UK all the time to get a lot of my high-end uh, Jamaican rums, and then they started seizing my shipments. Oh dear! Just I rude. lost four thousand dollars in booze once on a shipment. Oh, oh my god! Are you joking? Canadian dollars, so it's like two thousand American. <laughs> Is the exchange rate really that bad? No, no, it's <laughs> like it's, it's like one point three five. Although, funny story: ten years ago, when I was working in Afghanistan, the Canadian dollar was worth more than the American dollar. Yeah, they yeah, offered to pay me an American one or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a dollar five, and I'm like, dude, I don't take your American dollars. I want a Canadian dollars, man. Like. <laughs> That's bad. Because you finally had a chance to do it, is that? What? <laughs> yeah, we can't. We can't have anything shipped here unless it's from the state-run stores. Oh yeah. 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 So I, I can carry it with me. I have a two-bottle limit that I can carry with me, just like I can carry seventy-five cigars with me across the border. Not a problem. So I, I go to a, Cuba. I pick up on cigars. I have a very long story about a a one hundred dollar gift card that I got from Red Hat for Naked Wines and how much of a complete pain in the ass it was um there's there's actually a a jeep parts place that i buy parts from from every so often that also includes like a 50 dollar gift card from naked wines when i order stuff i throw them in the garbage because (laughs) it was such a pain in the butt to try to get wine shipped to pennsylvania that it's just not worth it it's not worth the 50 dollar gift card and you get well naked wine is not that great anyways no no but i mean i'm not really a wine guy so it was just like basically kind of free wine to try out and the stuff we got wasn't so bad but it took me six months and i had to like send it through a friend to new york and then have another friend pick it up in new york and bring it down for me it was ridiculous yeah not worth it not yeah. worth it man. Not, not worth, worth it at all 
I that's, them. that's yep. the thing I love about DerbyCon, though, right? They broke with all several this. laws doing that. Anyway. Yeah, we can see all this booze. We can try all this random food. And the thing was, if you go down to DerbyCon, don't just go for the three days of the conference. Go for three days before and a day after so you can go try out all these things. I don't have enough time to go hit all the restaurants I want to go check out. Yeah, it's true. Just because I go, you know, mind you, I get involved with a lot of stupid, especially down at a certain cowboy bar down the street on 4th Street Live. No, you? What a <laughs> surprise. Color me shocked. Yeah, not you. Face. So the funny thing was, the first time I dressed in drag at DerbyCon, as a prank, this story was hilarious because it was DerbyCon 3 or DerbyCon 4. And I had a full-on beard at the time, and I'm like, I was going to talk on disguises. And I said, look, you guys will not recognize me come Friday. Or was it Saturday? One of the two. Saturday, like, yeah. Yeah, I think it was Saturday. It's like, no, no, we'll recognize you. Trust me. I'm like, no, you will not. So I show up, legs fully shaved, this short mini skirt, <laughs> this purple hat, and this wig. People are like, dude, is Eddie Izzard here? That's a great and that's like, a great I, parallel right there. <laughs> yeah. I distinctly remember that going like like it was the classic double tech. I'm like, okay, woman in a miniskirt. Like, whoa, wait, what, something's wrong here. Wait, that doesn't <laughs> quite look. Oh, it's Mog. <laughs> yeah, like, it I'm was. Like, yeah, it, it wasn't that you 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 cued my you know uh, uh, uh you know uh, like like whatever your man yeah, sense. There's something wrong with this. <laughs> it was you cued my. I know that face, and that that face is something's off. And it was Mog is wearing a dress. That may That's have cool. okay. was that was that the same year of the super moon, and we were up on the roof trying to see the moon. No, that was the year before that. So I've been doing that. this for a couple of years in a row. So this has been DerbyCon three, DerbyCon four. Okay, and Derby. This was the year when I got in the bar fight at PBR down the street, that cowboy bar. Oh, geez, you got a bar fight. Oh, you <laughs> heard this story. Oh, yeah. So I told Zero about this. So we were down the street. Because everyone's like, hey, who's the hot girl? And I'm like, yo, hey, big boys. And they're like, oh, it's Mog. We get it. So we all go down to PBR. We go down to the cowboy bar down the street and go upstairs. So there's this meathead hitting on random girls. He comes up, grabs my ass. I turn around and I'm like, hey, big boy. He's taken aback. He decides to take a swing. He's a little angry at the fact that he just grabbed a man. He's a little angry at this. So... I step back. He's a little drunk. He takes a second swing. Now, this particular set of heels my wife bought me for my birthday, they were a special set of heels <laughs> in that I had the heel swapped out with a steel spike and a socket system so I could swap out the heels and they broke on stage. So this these heels are like freaking weapons with wrapped around little heel spike or a heel piece around it. Guy's wearing sandals. I put my heel through the soft spot between his big finger and his next oh. piece right down in there and twist uh. and goes down. Blood starts squirting out. Bouncers come rushing in. They're like, hey, we saw the whole thing go down. Do you want to press charges? I'm like, no, don't worry about it. Just clean them up yeah, in the most painful way possible. <laughs> His soon-to-be ex-girlfriend comes up. And is like, hey, I've been watching him hit on random girls, but I can never really prove it. I just watched him get his ass kicked by a drag queen in front of all his friends. Can I buy you a drink? <laughs> classy. That's awesome. That is classy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. So I drank for free that night. I come stumbling home about 2 a.m. or so on the Saturday. Zero's like, you look you know, like you've been in a bit of a fight. You okay? So I tell him the story. He's like, you know, we were worried about you, but now we're not. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And thus started a four-year tradition. Right, Mom, right. No, I, I just, I just remember... 
I just remember. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Josh. Your wife hates me because of my legs, right? No, because you can wear heels significantly longer. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember being in the in the lobby at the Hyatt. Uh, we were waiting. I forget what the hell we were waiting for. But um, oh, I know what it was. Rich was standing in line for um, Sky Dog's uh, badges that he prints every year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just I'm, I'm not really interested in the badge thing that he always prints, but uh, Rich is. He tries to get one every year. So I was just kind of like hanging out, drinking a beer, waiting, and I like look over my shoulder, and this presumably woman winks at me, and I'm like, I double take because you know. I don't expect women to be winking at me. And here it's Mog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, that's the reason why I do it, too. Because I, I realized one thing. Like, I was a drag queen in college. It paid the bills because I used to be a bartender at a gay bar. And yeah, it was right across the street from my school. And so I realized one thing, though. Drag is the ultimate form of trolling. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, uh, you wear it very well um, oh, it's it's, it's no immensely joke. convincing like no joke I, I i try to figure out what you're gonna wear that night and that's why i joke with you i'm like okay I, I, let me see if i could pick you out I never can pick you out until i get close enough to you i'm like oh hey it's, <laughs> it's you although Thank i have you. gotten lazy the last couple of years with hacker jeopardy i mean i don't even bother shaving off the time for hacker jeopardy and it gets <laughs> even more fun <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, can you teach Weave to, to wear drag then? If you know, because he's the ultimate troll. So, oh yeah, I'll teach yeah, Weave right. to do this. Oh dear. That, okay, Weave, if you're listening, you got to do it. You want to be a real troll? You got to go and drag, man. There you go. I mean, hey, that's why the Church of Wi-Fi now pulls off half our shenanigans for our Hacker Jeopardy team. Oh my god. Because the thing is, the, the story behind our team is it's my old director from the bank I worked at. Render Man, who I managed, and myself. So Render Man's in a pimp suit. I'm dressed up like I'm typically dressed up. So it's pimp, hooker, and my boss is dressed up as the John. <laughs> nice. Nice. I always end up missing Hacker Jeopardy. I, I caught yeah. like five minutes of it the one time. Oh, so we were it getting like such a good time. Year. It is. So we were getting our butt kicked for the first half of it. Then they brought up Quantum Crypto. And oddly enough, I work for a company that specializes in. And you're quantum, like, oh, right? I know this. <laughs> so we're down like Budweiser tastes like moose piss to us. I'm not gonna lie, and we drink that stuff like it's water because it practically is. It is, yeah. So we've got like you know this tower of booze of or empty booze cups from the drinking it. You know, and all of a sudden it's just like, wham! What is? What is? What is? And it turns into this, you know blood fat or a you know, bloodbath effectively where just people start getting destroyed i remember once they brought up what is the wiring standard for um you know cat five or whatever it is and so i'm like you know or 568b exactly but they said what's the color scheme right so i'm like white green, white, green orange, white orange blue white blue you know blue white brown brown because that's we're following the a standard because we're in canada yep. a that's a a <laughs> a <laughs> That's and perfect. they're like, how the hell does Mog know this stuff? I'm like, because I used to be a network tech. I used to yeah, I, I, I used to be able to recite that. I memory. probably could if I thought. Well, if I thought long enough, I used to, I used to manage a data center where every single patch cable was was physically created by me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I can remember that. <laughs> I bet if oh, you were the... up today, you'd probably be like, oh, I remember this. Do 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 do. Yeah, right. I can, I can still make you know patch cables pretty darn quick. 
I can make cables <laughs> drunk and quick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that should be a contest. How many cables can you make the more you drink? Yeah, so right. So I have a funny story about that. I feel really bad and for Tesla. dude because we were in Afghanistan and a guy was wiring up on my comm cable or oh, these little sea cans we were building. And so we had like 30, 40 drops to go wire up for me. And we gave him a cable to go test with. Turns out the cable was crossover. So he goes through and he rewires the entire comm cable back to the other end to be B. So now all of our ends are crossover. I'm like, oops, we gave you the wrong cable. Rewire them all back. <laughs> that sucks. Are you serious? Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. My, my uncle, who used to work for, a, a, they had a family telecom company. Um, he found out he was colorblind. Uh, oh, every no. time he would do a cable, uh, He'd, he'd get I forget what colors we'd always mess up, but he'd always oh, mess no, them up, seriously? and they'd be like, "Oh no, it looks the same on both ends." He goes, "No, it doesn't," and that's what he figured. They find he finally figured out that he was colorblind. When he was doing well, yeah, because the blue and green would throw you off, right? Yeah, right. right, right. right. I, right. I, I, might, I think it was the green and blue. Yeah, I forget. I, I, that makes sense, right? For colorblind, I don't. I, don't I would know. hate to be a but colorblind network story. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, he didn't, he didn't I mean, do it for very long, un- unless you were buying cables instead of uh, instead of making them. <laughs> so my 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 son is colorblind, and. He is a whiz, an absolute whiz at creating network cables. I don't know how really? he does it. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe, maybe it's like gradients or something. Could be. I don't know. Every single one of them that he's created, dead perfect. Never had one that failed. Wow. Wow. You know, I find wiring Cat 6 way easier than wiring Cat 5E these days. I don't know what it is. Because of the thicker wire? I think it's so, yeah. Thicker. Yeah. Do you use the pass-through or do you use the uh, uh, staggered RJ45 ends? I use the staggered. Wow. Impressive. I cheat. I use the sloppy ones. Yeah, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> my company changed the rules that we have to use certified cables only, so I can't make my own uh, anymore. Yeah, that's how we do it. We uh, always buy yeah. cables. Yeah, we buy them. I don't make them anymore. But... Your, your company made the uh, the crazy ass cables that we had to use. What, what what were those cables called, Nate? That the that we used the all land cables. Oh yeah, the all land cables. Yeah, yeah. With these, oh, I wish I had one here. I don't know what this end is. It's like a uh, an oversized USB end. I don't know if I can. And, and it's it's a uh, basically a cat. I Picture think it actually certifies as a cat six cable, uh, but it's oh. got this crazy end on it. And the idea was that each each cable in there is individually wrapped and and shielded because they were shielded but repair. But it's beyond that. If you because they were doing voice, video, and data on the same cable. It was an IBM standard, if I remember correctly. It's an IBM standard. on, But it was the same cable, voice, video, and data, not on IP. It was individual pairs for voice, video, and data. Yeah. That's yeah. whacked. I, I can't... I'm looking for a picture of it on Google. Just as, I could share it with you guys, but it, I can't... It was... it. Yeah. It's it's the standard that we used and, and is still in use there. And there's apparently one manufacturer. No, we're 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 phasing it out because we can't find yeah. cables anymore. I can't even. Is it just like that's because IBM doesn't make hardware anymore? I don't no, know IBM how to spell the damn thing. For years, <laughs> mm. uh, but there was like one guy in like Texas or something that made them. Yeah, they're, he doesn't make like them anymore. Apparently, that sounds right. I I can't find a picture of them even. I have a funny story about DerbyCon three or DerbyCon four for qu- yeah. Let's get back to talking this. about DerbyCon, right? So, DerbyCon 4 3 was the year when we set up shop doing the Church of Wi Fi initiations outside of the party entrance. And everyone thought it was mandatory to join the Church of Wi Fi when you were 
to get into the party. So we had a right. lineup around the block, like around the upper level, rotated, wrapped all the way around the entire atrium of people waiting to get in. With you know, because they do the whole get down on one knee, receive this, the blood of our Lord, who like the rest of us is eighty proof, you know, receive this, the body of our Lord, and all cool ranch Doritos that we had, and then you know, you arise, receive your spanking from Stacy, and then you enter into the party. But right. apparently, people thought that was mandatory to get into the party. That's why we had like such a lineup. We had people sending us tithes from around the world. I had someone from Wisconsin send me a cheese hat and a uh, cheese shot glass as tribute <laughs> for joining the Church of Wi-Fi. That's awesome. That's cool. Interesting. Like the actual cheese head, foam head? Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, That's cool. That was his tribute. That was his tithes to go join the church. <laughs> I, I've been I, paddled by you every year as tradition. I do remember getting a, uh, a swat from, from Stacy for bringing the, uh, the first Hack My Derby because it had Wi-Fi in the hat. Yeah. 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 Oh, all right. So... DerbyCon. DerbyCon, yeah. indeed. It's, you know, he's right. Il, uh, Evil Mog, you're correct. It's it's not fun. And that's... Look, let's be honest, you know, the conference is useful and fun. But at this mm-hmm. point, Trusted Sec is so big, how useful is it anymore? Um... Well, and the conference itself has grown so big. The thing was, DerbyCon was fun when it was 1,500 to 1,700 people. When they got so big, they had to change venues. I'm not saying this is an armchair commander, because I could not run a conference in any way, shape, or form any better. But when it got too big, it lost that everybody's watching over them feel. And given the shenanigans that we were pulling, some of the shenanigans got out of hand. Like, great example. When I run the parachute drops from upstairs, I spend three days doing the math and get hotel permission. Yeah, damn straight. In, in, in right. future, but in future years, we saw some people trying to go launch things like garbage bags with string attached to two-pound weights without approval. At the same time, as we were trying to do a launch. I had to go tackle people and report them to security to get things to stop. Like People didn't see the effort that went behind the shenanigans. Right. They just saw the output of them and tried to emulate. And without that critical mass, people say, look, no, this is the way we do things. The gentle guiding hand, things got out of hand. In my opinion, yeah. So I mean, it's the, not fun. It's not useful. Shut it down. Yeah, as, as it gets. I don't know that it's not useful. I, like, like okay. that's it, it maybe. I'm guessing there. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, you know, it's it, it's like. It, Let me ask you a question: Would you have the energy to go run a conference the size of DerbyCon for ten years or darn near ten years? With the level of people that we have and the level of shenanigans going on, I can't imagine running it for three and still staying sane. I mean, the thing was, DerbyCon was special. It was Dave's baby because it was, and the rest of the organizers, because it was the fun family thing. But yeah. when it becomes no longer fun for the organizers, it wears, it, it trickles down. But I mean, look at conferences like Shmoo and DerbyCon, <laughs> or not DerbyCon, DefCon, um, <laughs> other, other larger conferences, right? They've they've gone on for longer than DerbyCon, right? And they're much larger audiences. So what makes them different? Um, my personal opinion is I think DefCon's way too big. And the thing is, when you run things way too big, there's yeah. a difference between gooning at Def at DefCon and running security at DerbyCon. Because DerbyCon, there's no such thing as goons there. Everyone there's either security staff, they're friendly. You 
can you gently move it aside, sir? And every once in a while, we have to hold it quadling with his loud voice. At DEF CON, you need, like, quadling-level volume 24-7 to corral the crowds, and there's no time for that personal touch. And yeah, so if you're running it like that and in keeping it, you know, in that kind of scale, that's fine, but DerbyCon wasn't DEF CON. It didn't need to be that big level of, you know, heavy-handedness. Right. So it's it's interesting that you say that. I mean, uh, I'm going to use a personal uh, uh, story. At, at Red Lion, we recently, you know, over the last year or so, been switching from a small team to a company with departments and 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 and, and specified job descriptions and things like that. And realistically, you know, at Besides Delaware, for example, just like we talked about before, we can switch hats pretty easily. We have departments. But we can switch hats, no big deal, and we can keep it on a personal touch. We can talk to every other department before even sipping our coffee. You know what I mean? At DEF CON, you have over 200 security goons. You have, uh, then that doesn't even include the speaker goons and the quartermaster brigade and the blah, 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 blah. I mean, you, you probably have 500 people running the thing all volunteer, by the way, or almost 99% of them volunteers, I understand it, um, before you even, you know, get to the actual conference. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's a matter of scale. And at some point you break that. We all know each other. We can all talk to each other. It's cool. Everybody's fine. It's a small team family mentality. Well, yeah, like, great so, example, earlier DerbyCon, you know, someone, remember those cherries Hectoman hands out all, all the time? Yeah, yep. those little jars that knock him on their ass every year. I got, I got one. Need off cherries. Yeah, those cherries are bloody brutal. One year, someone was a jerk and threw yep. a jar of cherries through the back of someone's car from the roof. Right? Wasn't it from the roof? Yep. They dropped them down and yeah, dropped and it went through the back window of the car. Yep. Which yeah. of course I makes that. the car smell so amazing. Ago. Yeah. So when people heard about that. They crowdfunded replacement to clean up the car, clean up the deal with the windshield, yep. and it was crowdfunded within five minutes. Yeah, I, I, I gave they, a couple bucks to that. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. I think they, they overfunded and they ended up uh, donating the rest of it yeah. to, to Hackers for Charity, I yep. think. Yep, they were several thousand dollars over, well, if I remember correctly. And speaking of Hackers for Charity, I mean, DerbyCon for the longest time donated more to Hackers for Charity than DEFCON. Yeah. A conference of like 1,500, 2,000 people donates more to a conference of 30,000 people. Let that sink in. Right. I think I think there's a there's a there's a reputational difference, right? So Dirt, uh, DEFCON has a reputation for being, you know, a bad boy hacker conference. So people mm-hmm. that are going there are expecting bad boy hacker conference. Whereas DerbyCon is it's always been billed as as a as you know the hacker family. It's always been billed as a you know there are no there are no rock stars here. Everybody can talk to everybody and we want to be all inclusive. And I think, I think that while being a wonderful, absolutely awesome sentiment is also what led to what has, is now the, you know, the end of DerbyCon. Well, you got got a very good point on that, I think. And the reason I say that you can't make everybody happy. No, you can't. I think DerbyCon was all about freedom. Always was. Versus DEF CON, when you get to that size, you have to lose some level of freedom, put some level of control, like crowd control or, you know, various levels around it. And when you get that, you lose that feel on things. So DerbyCon was freest in the absolute sense of the term. That Dave wouldn't shut down any idea, no matter how freaking stupid it was, unless it endangered <laughs> life and limb. Yeah, exactly. Health and safety. That was it. That was our rules. And the thing was, like... 
everyone always thought that that hanging bra from the center of the atrium was always me. And it wasn't. It's not? It's not. <laughs> I know who it is, but oh. it's not me. Oddly enough, the reason why is putting that thing up was a health and safety risk. Yeah. Because you had to crawl down a very specific catwalk to get there. Yeah. And that thing, if you fell, you were dead. All of my shenanigans involved extensive engineering calculations to make sure there was no chance anybody could ever get hurt. Right. I, think, I don't think a lot of people see that or, no, no or one did. really talk about it. That's actually a, a good talk to have if you ever decided to have a talk about. I, I did do a talk. It was called How to Conduct Shenanigans Safely. Yeah, Derby you did. Gun I saw it. Seven. Oh. I think. Or is it six? Oh. Seven. Dustin, that, okay. that, was, that, was that was the year. My... That was the no. That was the year that you and I built your derby, sitting around oh. in in, yep. in that, that suite that you why. guys ended up in. But uh, I okay. went to that talk. I remember yeah. go, I remember going to see that talk. Yeah, the demo failed there because we wrote the pre-shenanigan hazard assessment tool there. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. I remember that, the pre-shenanigan. I remember you actually had a full, you have a full spreadsheet. And you have a full... <laughs> oh, yeah, that thing was great because it had, like, the full OSHA-style things. Like, we had enforcement hazards, electromechanical hazards, radiation hazards, like... <laughs> radiation? It's becoming familiar again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I don't, I don't yeah, think I've seen it, but I remember talking about getting it. Getting up to, he goes, those are advanced shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this, we tried this to make it familiar. Yeah, the reason we did this was because I was tired of hearing about stupid things going on. I'm like, look, if you guys are going to do things, at least do a standardized form. It outputted properly formatted JSON, the standardized format that you give to Zero or Paul, and they'd be like, okay, here's everything you need to know about your shenanigans. It had mitigation procedures, hazard procedures, your cleanup procedures. Like, this thing was thorough. Did, didn't you get it approved by them? As an yeah, acceptable- I did. Yeah, it was yeah. so I I submitted all my shenanigans that <laughs> year it, it, with output from the PSHAT. It also became standard for uh, Skydog Con. Nice. Did it really? Yeah. Well, and the, here's the funnier part. So IBM owns Resilient, right? I've talked to our executives and let me port the PSHAT to Resilient and make it an online fillable form with all the pre flows and everything else to auto tie things in and all communications as a new little project for grins. <laughs> God, that's nice. You guys are funny. That's nice. Well, hey, if you're gonna be stupid, you may as well be smart about it. Indeed. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, if so be stupid, um, you might as well be smart. I love it. We're uh, <laughs> we're coming up on about two hours, so we should probably try to wrap things up. Um, I don't know. I just don't know what to say. I I really I really hope that we get to DerbyCon 2019 and. Show up and Dave's like, fooled you, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I really honestly don't. hope somebody launches a new conference at that particular venue because I love the Hyatt. Yeah. And makes it Hyatt's nice and great. tiny again. And, you know, first rule of, you know, new version of Derby is you don't talk about new version of Derby, so we keep it tiny. Unless you're inviting Dave. Yeah, I mean, so the, the idea of an invite-only conference sounds at least kind of interesting, but... It's typical. There's several of them out there now that people do or do not know about. Um, there, there's one named after a movie from 12 or 14 years ago. Um, the, oh, wow. No, I think it's 20 years ago now. God, <laughs> God I'm old. Crap. Um, 
there's there's quite a few invite-only conferences. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the problem is, in my opinion, is that invite-only conferences make it very difficult to bring new blood in. Yeah. yeah. It's very difficult to bring the next generation. It becomes a club. Becomes- See, I don't want it to be an invite-only conference. I'd like to do an open invite conference, but the way it works is it's created like a semi-closed conference in that you're invited in, and your invite, you know, you, get, you apply, everyone gets allowed at least one invite. We check IDs when you get in the door. But if you screw up badly or cause any kind of problems, like your know, health and safety or whatever else, or anything that detracts from another you know, person's enjoyment of the thing, like I'm all for codes of conduct. I'm not going to lie. I'm all for thou shalt not be a jerk. You know, and describe about what's acceptable behavior. And if we see things that aren't kosher, your invite privileges are gone and the person you invited are gone. And do a semi-closed, moderated behavior kind of conference that's still free and allows a lot of things, but we deny things that would you know, impact our ability to run a conference in the future. I got to say, and this is really fascinating, and I think this is a good tie-in to back to the beginning of the podcast and probably where you're going to kill us or, or end the, the podcast is, you realize you just reinvented Sesame Credit for InfoSec? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yes, I did. And I'm sorry. But I think we need something like that, though. We almost do in some ways. Yeah. For conferences like this, as free as we are. And that we get a lot of leeway to do things. It's just we can't... You know, we have to keep in mind that there's other people involved. So a shenanigan is only funny if everyone around you is laughing. Yeah. So, I mean, the the thing that really bothers me about DerbyCon coming to an end this year is I've, I've through the eight of nine DerbyCons that I will have attended by the time it's done, because I missed one year, and I fully intend to make this year, Slacker. Um, I've I've met well yeah my dad decided to get married the weekend of DerbyCon the one year and I was kind of his best man so I didn't have much choice anyway um where was I oh um I've met so many great people you two included um mm-hmm. and Dustin to be honest we you and I met at DerbyCon technically you you came along well, we, to DerbyCon and, met in the car yeah we technically met in the car, in the car on the way to DerbyCon <laughs> um which is awesome and. Well, that's a perfect example. The year the year you came was the year we built, excuse me, I'm bumping my mic, was the year that we built your derby on site. Hack your derby! Right. So I, I bring the Hack My Derby project every year for the past four years now. Um, so I already had my derby in the back of the car when I met Dustin. And when we got there, he was so interested in the contest that he picked up a plastic derby from Deviant, who was running Hack Your Derby that year. Uh, we went over. It. We went over to to Hack Five, who was there that year. I know they haven't made every derby come. We went over to Hack Five, and he bought a Wi-Fi pineapple. Yep. And just like we launched this crazy idea to put a Wi-Fi pineapple with spare parts that I brought for my derby into his plastic derby in the freaking hotel room that him and and Frizz had for the and, weekend. And don't for, and don't forget, uh, you supplied all the parts to make it happen. And we, because we stuck with the whole Hack 5 theme, we, we right. took a ton of stickers and used that as the adhesive right. to hold so it all together. I, so anywhere I had, you look in the hat, there was Hack 5 stickers stuck somewhere holding everything together. It was awesome. I had, so my, my derby is based on a Pi Zero, or at least the, the model I was building up until this previous year was always based on a Pi Zero with this like OLED LCD display. Well, it's, it's an OLED, but it looks like an LCD display. I had an extra display with me. I had an extra Pi Zero with me. 
and we interfaced that via USB with the 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 Wi-Fi pineapple, and we used yep. Hack Five stickers to stick it all inside of this cheap plastic derby. And Dustin took first place in the on-site built derby um, contest for that year. Like that to me. While I enjoy going to DerbyCon and sitting in on talks and learning cool things, that year really embodies DerbyCon to me. Like the you idea, know, that I you only can just go to like, one DerbyCon or one talk a year. Period. Yeah, the fun is in like the side events, like your Hack My Derby right. and the social engineering competitions, the polygraph machines. Right, like interfacing with other people in in the industry, like competing in in contests, like. The the talks are great, don't get me wrong. There's always great talks, but being a sysadmin at DerbyCon, there's only so many talks that are really relevant to what I'm doing, unless my goal is to learn more about InfoSec and switch careers or something. Um, right. but, but originally, I was going to DerbyCon to learn more about what attackers were doing so I could better protect my stuff. And that's gotten a little less relevant over the years as as attacks have gotten more and more advanced and sort of above my skill level. Um but a lot of the side things are just like so much fun, right? There's so many cool things to learn. I learned to lockpick at DerbyCon. I learned, I mean, so many interesting, useful things. And I'm really going to miss that. I don't know if I can find that in a different conference. Well, the nice reason why I didn't think DerbyCon was so successful in that is that all the talks were recorded, with the exception of a small few right. that were couldn't be done on camera for various reasons. And I've been to a few of those, and those were hilarious. Yeah. But... Um, the majority of the talks were recorded, and so you were free to go talk with friends and go do random stupid things. And I think that's what made it fun. It was like the burning man of information security conferences. Right. Right. Yeah, and, I mean, the, the, the number of times I'd be hanging out in the lobby watching a talk on my laptop while hacking on my derby. <laughs> the burning man of information security conferences, dude. Evil Mug? Well done, sir. There you go. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> No, it was. It's, we had all, all the freedom to do whatever we wanted. We had little mini almost camps here doing stuff like this. You know, like yeah. The coolest thing I saw last year was Ian Coldwater and this crew of women she got together to teach them how to do CTFs. This just kind of happened organically. Or hacks for pancakes in her root beer float shenanigans that happened out right. every year, randomly showing up. Like just these little cool things, just doing as people were bringing the very best of themselves to the conference, and that's what made it special. Pretty cool. Pretty powerful. Bravo. It is. So I think we're going to have to call it a night on that note. It's a good note, right? It's a great note. Yeah. So, folks, uh, I know a couple people have tuned in on our live stream on YouTube, so thank you guys for watching. Um, Anyone who's listening to us after the fact, uh, please give us some feedback. Let us know what you thought of the show, because your feedback helps us figure out, uh, you know, what we should what we should cover on this show, right? Um, if you want to find us on Twitter or Facebook, just search for Iron Sysadmin. Um, on the YouTubes as well, we finally have our custom URL, uh, youtube.com slash Iron Sysadmin Podcast, I think it is. It's not in the show notes anymore. I have to, I have to update that. And uh, also, if you want to help support the show financially, please uh, hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash Iron Sysadmin. Um, and in closing, I guess uh, Mog and Quadling, you also you already told us uh, where you can find or where we can find you on Twitter. You have any closing uh, uh, remarks as to who you are or where people can find you? Or are we good? We're uh, good. Yeah, I mean, you can find me. Just Google my name, Josh Marpet. Just go find and, that uh, Josh guy. At Quadling on Twitter, jmarpet at redline.io. No problem. 
Cool. And as usual, you can find me at Gangriff. Um, Dustin and uh, Jason, you want to echo your uh, your Twitter handles? Sure. As uh, usual, I'm at uh, I, I'm at Xenophage on uh, on the Twitters. The Twitters. Not spelled not spelled with a Z. And I'm I'm Agent sixty six. The word sixty. The figure six. You gotta make it complicated. I tell you, we're gonna Always. make you change make your Twitter it. handle just just for no, the show, just to make it easier. No. All right, fine. If we do that, people have to vote on it, but it can't be ridiculous, and it can't have the word hamburgers. Are you gonna end up with like Dustin McDustin I, face? Yes. Hacker McHacker. Sure. Face. Yes. Your Dusty McDusty face. <laughs> That's your new Twitter <laughs> handle. All right, folks. On that it's note, been we're gonna call it a night. So thank you guys for watching, and we will see you in two weeks. I'd make some really bad tiny jokes, but uh, how about I can't leave anything else you say? In that dude, don't do that. I was just. You want me to say GDPR fine as tiny as Ben Ten's car? <laughs> Google gets Google gets uh, Trump tiny hand fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google gets a GDPR slap on the wrist. How's that? There we go.